Hello everyone, welcome to episode 50 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that if we were a Gargan, I think we would be a Realm Ruiner. Oh. I'm your host Matt, <laughs> and oh. joining me as always, the fabulous bile of the Southern Hemisphere, it's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm doing fantastically, thank you very much for the comparison. I love... Realm Ruiner as a Gargant title. I'm putting that out there. <laughs> Forge World, I know you produce one big giant already. Make an even bigger one and make it purple. And that's the Realm Ruiner. That would be putting that out there. It? It, oh, it, it's really it's fitting, isn't it? It fits yeah. with us. It fits with the Mortal Realms. It's thematic. Mm. And let's be honest, when that battle tome eventually comes out, maybe you'll be able to make your own Gargant. Maybe there will be mm. custom rules. We mm. can... We can dream. Oh, we can only hope. <laughs> That's it. And you heard it here first. There'll be a realm room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I'm just I'm just going to get one of those three-foot-tall He-Man action toys and really rug it up, make that thing look all messed up and gargandy. That'll do for a realm runer, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you going to base it on He-Man or Skeletor or Beast-Man? Or, Ooh, um... Beast-Man might be good, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. that would work. Cool. Right. You get inspired. Mm, yeah. <laughs> how, how are you doing in the in these crazy times? Uh, I'm doing really well. Erin uh, just came in and gave me a bowl of uh, lollies, so I am doing great. Um, mm. I'm not going to eat them just yet. I'm talking, but it's tempting. Um, I'm doing pretty <laughs> well, honestly. Um, I'm getting used to the fact of not going to work, which, uh, you know, after next week, it's going to be school holidays anyway, but, you know, I got to take the last three weeks of term off, and I, I apparently I'm getting paid, so that's nice. Um, nice. It's just it's just getting used to uh, not seeing anyone anywhere, which is interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's, it's it's convenient uh, when you have to drive around places and suddenly just no traffic. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm dealing okay okay with it. But I'm hey, here's a secret: I'm not a very sociable person <laughs> at the best of times. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you know, we've been getting we've been getting through things. We've been doing D and D over Discord stuff like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. it, it's been it's been all right, uh, and it's given me an excuse to uh, play video games and do hobby, not choose between yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, mm. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling that. I must admit, I'm getting some hobby done, getting some video games done, and starting D&D, which I'll talk about yes. in the hobby section as well. Yes. Exciting times. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you're right. It is it is a funny time, but I suppose if you're not sociable or you've got lots to do at home, then mm. this is the ideal time. Obviously, there's more important yeah. things out there at, the, at this moment in time, and hope everyone is keeping safe in these, yes. these yes. really odd times. It's very bizarre, yes. but, you know... You do what you can. Mm. Um, mm. So cool. Okay. Good to hear it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So as I said, this is episode 50. We're at the, I know, the Demi Company of episode, mm. main episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite crazy <laughs> that we've got here, yeah. but here we are. And we've made it, I think, quite special, I would say. So mm. we'll start off, obviously, with our normal hobby section, see what we've been up to the last couple of weeks. Uh, then we'll get into the news, which we'll cover, obviously, the uh, Warhammer previews that have happened over the last couple of weeks with lots mm-hmm. of shiny new gubbins. Uh, and yeah. then for the main lore topic, we will be discussing the first of his kind, the first Demon Prince, Bellacor. And quite nicely, we're going to talk about him from an AOS and a 40K perspective. So a nice neutral 
main law topic. And yeah. then we are going to have a discussion topic. I know you think, oh, yes, Hooray. at last, guys. You've only <laughs> haven't done one for the last three episodes. But this one's going to be a bit different because um, this is going to be a pre-recorded chat with Colin from cold open stories so it'd be like mm. a mini interview i suppose is the best way yeah, to look at it yeah um so we'll i'll be splicing it in at the end of the show uh even though we've not as of yet recorded it it's happening later today <laughs> but you won't know that um <laughs> so that is what we're going to be talking about on this episode looking forward to it mm. right so um as quite a few people have got more time on their hands hey go over to that itunes and give us a five star mm. review that is greatly appreciated if you feel we deserve yes. it and gets people <laughs> listening to the show because again people got spare time on their hands we've got a lot of hours i think about 200 mm. hours of podcast mm. in our backlog <laughs> <laughs> so you know help help people out uh yeah. you know, relieve that boredom <laughs> um and as always, if you want to see how you can support us, so our social media links, all that gubbins is down in your show notes in your podcast player of choice. And mm-hmm. um, if you want to join our Discord so- server, which is a great choice again at this time, because again, you can talk with like-minded people. It's always free to join us. Link again will be in the show notes. Uh, if you join us on Discord, uh, you can ask us a question. And here is the question for this episode. This comes from... A pillar of the community, Red Shadow, and he says, which tabletop Warhammer game do you want to be able to play on PC slash consoles? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. I know, I know. Mm. I mean, obviously there's quite a few out there already, as we know, and I'm, mm. you know, planning on a future episode of that, that, but obviously there's still a few, I don't know, holes that could be plugged, or I suppose yeah. another, another way you could look at it is, it doesn't have mm. to be something that doesn't already exist. It could be something where you think, well, this game sort of exists, but I would rather have it like this. You know, is it is it mm. not scratching that itch, for example? Yeah, um, yeah. Do you want me to go first? No, and, no, I, I, can, I can jump no? in. No, okay, yeah, 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 go yeah, on, yeah. go for it. Um, first off, I think, I think you could do this really interesting. I think you could do Warcry in the vein of For Honor, and that would be mm. awesome. Because... Mm. I feel like that's perfectly set up with, like, the different archetypes of characters or, like, the big heavy-hitting guy and the faster, lighter people or the long-range people. They all fit those sort of class archetypes For Honor has. And I feel like that that aim towards tense, cinematic, close combat stuff is kind of perfect for that. So that's my first thought. That mm. would be awesome. I'm and feeling it, it fits that. perfectly. Yeah, like, they're mm. all fighting for territory out in the Bloodwind spoil. Like, you don't you don't have to do this whole... For, For Honor was a cool game, but the whole thing of, you know, the Samurais, the Knights, and who and the Vikings all end up on the same <laughs> continent summit is a little, hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel it would make more cohesive narrative sense and also be yeah. super duper cool. Um, yeah. God, I would, I would love to see, like, that fully detailed 3D models of, like, Iron Golems and Untamed Beasts and stuff. That'd be... Oh, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I think... Other thing that might work really well would be uh, Kill Team or maybe Necromunda in sort of the XCOM style. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because yeah. that is literally my first suggestion. Ah, uh, well, there we go. <laughs> Kill Team slash Necromunda <laughs> as XCOM. <laughs> yeah, because they seem like the perfect game. So there's like that small, you've got a squad who you're meant to care about, who you invest in and who can, you know, like learn and grow over the course of the game. That's that's exactly what it is with a Kill Team squad or a Necromunda gang. And those systems are 
you can boil them down to maths, like the the whole ninety five percent chance to hit, you miss kind of thing. I feel is perfect for those games because yeah, you can always stack the odds in your favor. It's never going to be perfect. Um, and and you know you can simplify those games down in terms of like movement and positioning to fit on the sort of grid style of XCOM fairly easily. I feel mm-hmm. it's mostly about like cover and like environmental stuff rather which than... those games are about, especially yeah. Necromunda. Um and mm. it's also quite brutal yeah. as well. Oh, as yeah. an XCOM's brutal awesome. game, quite yeah. unforgiving, and in theory, things like Necromunda should be as well. Mm. So, mm. absolutely, yeah, that could work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, give me, give me, give me the Space Marine game sequel. <laughs> Come on, we know, we yes. know that's what everyone actually wants. We want a third person. <laughs> actually, no, I changed my mind. I mentioned this on uh, last night's Warhammer preview online stream thing because we were all in chat together. I want, I want Space Marine the game, but as a sister of battle. <laughs> Yeah, that would be yes. incredible. <laughs> a very pissed off sister of battle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bringing yeah. that faith and fury. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. That's that's me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, like I said I've already, you've already done my first suggestion because, like you said, that seems a marriage made in the warp. I think. Um, I would say. Um, I would love a game. I suppose like The Witcher, similar to all that, mm. but where you play a witch hunter in the mortal realms, mm. I would say, mm. you know, solving uh, puzzles yeah. and, you know, investigating things. Um, obviously yeah. it, it would be massive if it was the size of the Witcher, oh, the Witcher, well, the Witcher yeah. three, but, <laughs> but even if it was slightly smaller than that, but I think that would uh, really work. Um, I, mm. I'm, I'm, I know this is quite a boring suggestion, but I want total Warhammer AOS. I want AOS in, yeah. in a proper, you know, setting like that. Um, mm. I'm trying to think. Oh, the, the, I said the possibilities are amazing. Um, I, th- I want mm. them to bring back Epic 40k, and I want them to do oh, it on the tabletop. Yes. But I would like the video game as well. I mean, they do. Mm. There is, like I said, there is an Adeptus Titanicus uh, game on Steam called Dominus, uh, but it's still mm. very early access at the moment. And I actually looked at it the other day, and it doesn't seem to be <laughs> much happening <laughs> on it at the moment. So, but you know, mm. that could be for various other reasons. So, yeah, I would just like I said, bring Epic back because it did have a game as I said on the PC on Windows yeah. like many years ago from memory. So mm. uh, I think it was Final Liberation. I want to say okay. that sounds like yeah. what it was called. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, Mm. Yeah, something on that sort of scale, really. Um, I mean, the good thing is a lot of the games, even some of the older ones, um, or the ones that aren't in print at the moment as such, like Space Hulk and Battlefleet mm. Gothica and things like that, They've obviously they do have video games as well at this point. Mm. So, um, I, again, I, I suppose we're not probably going to see many direct game, like tabletop to video game sort of conversions from an actual gameplay point of view mm. because obviously mm. they want the tabletop to sell <laughs> so obviously <laughs> I, I'm, I don't think we're realistically going to see like a full you know like you would see on tabletop simulator for example mm. yeah you know i don't yeah. think you would ever really see that may do that'd be amazing but i don't think they would be they'd feel comfortable doing that so but we can go things ha- yeah. have things like total warhammer in that sort of game mm. style as well so yeah 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 i, I just want more aos games I think at this that's point, fair. that's what That'd I really cool. want. Cause I think that's quite lacking at the moment. Mm, um, yeah. Cause obviously a lot of the games seem to be old Warhammer fantasy, which is still fantastic, but mm. you know, let's move with the times guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm. Cool. That is an awesome question. Thanks very much, Red. So, mm. uh, yeah, I think it's that time. I think it's time yeah. to get into the hobby. 
Right, so like we said, we've got you know generally a bit more time on our hands at this point. So Cameron, mm. what have you been doing the last couple of weeks, mate? All right, uh, I've probably done a bit less than last episode, despite having technically more time on my hands. Well, to be uh, honest, but, I think that was yeah. most of last episode, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a bit of, it was a bit of a chunk of last episode. No, I will admit, it's probably for the best. Um, no, it's good. No, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I had a great time. But yeah, um, it's been... It's been less busy in terms of I don't have to actually go to work, but there's it's been an adjustment period. Things have been going on in our lives um, that I've had to take care of and work work on as well. And I've been doing a lot of cleaning as well now that I have the time on my hands. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, suddenly I'm able to do basic house chores, um, Ad- adult stuff. <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's awful, uh, but I'm doing it, <laughs> so that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I obviously haven't really bought anything seeing as uh there's not many places to buy stuff anymore currently True. um yeah and uh we'll, we'll get more into that in the news uh but i've done a bit of building and i've done a bit of painting um and that's mostly it but uh yeah so um in terms of necromunda stuff i've built a couple more goliaths uh so i started messing around with the the forgeborn the the younger goliaths from the forgeborn and stimmer kits and the way they want you to build them, you give them that. So they're very cheap bodies. Essentially, they're like 30, 35 credits each uh, compared to a regular Goliath who's like 55 uh, before any gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, the gear in the box for them is a rock saw, which is like 120 points and <laughs> a storm welder, which is like 130 points and also had and also easily blows up and kills whoever's using it and also also hits anyone and everything within line of sight so if you're aiming down a tunnel and you've got any friendlies within the range of the weapon they're just as likely to be hit as the enemy you're trying to shoot so they're expensive they're they're not reliable i don't want to put them on those guys (laughs) um so (laughs) i decided you know their their only other restrictions is they have to take what's on their list um so they've got some pistols they've got some close combat weapons so i went cool i'll make a cheap guy running around with a stub gun and a fighting knife yeah, just causing run, trouble. Yeah, causing trouble, grabbing objectives, that kind of thing. Uh, taking fire for more important goliaths is <laughs> 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 literally what they're for. Um, that's fine. Yeah, that's well, that's yeah, what would happen yeah. in the in Net Commander itself. That's what they're there to do. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to pass that cool check to shoot someone behind someone who's closer to you. So I'll run all these little guys in front of like my three hundred sixty-five point leader, for example. <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in, in retrospect bit of an investment super cool though um but yeah uh so he is the one who is it's it's the body of the guy who is running forward with the rock saw he's he's running forward so i've put a I've, I've cut off so his right hand is like holding onto a handle for the rock saw so i've cut the actual rock saw bit away from that and stuck a spare blade on there so it's just a little knife without a hand guard so it's a dangerous knife it's a kitchen knife um <laughs> He's <laughs> got a kitchen knife. And then um, the other hand uh, on that one is actually, um, it's like holding a bandolier, a loop of spare rock saw blades, which I think is very cool. Uh, but the end result of that is like the hand is just like hanging there and open. And once you remove the bandolier, uh, it looks like he's reaching for something on his belt. So I just took a bolt pistol in holster from the Mark III armor kit, which continues to be a blessing. That it kid is. is great. Everyone should own one. Um, yep, they should. 
Yeah, uh, I cut the barrel, because the barrel sticks out of the holster. I cut the bolt barrel off, so it's obviously not a bolt pistol. I cut the magazine off, because stub guns are like little revolvers. Uh, I slap that on, and now it looks like he's sort of running forward, ducking his head under fire and reaching for his gun to shoot back. So I think he's pretty decent. Um, he has also been described as looking for his dropped contact, so I feel it's a matter <laughs> of perspective. Um, <laughs> thanks, Matt. Um <laughs> But I, oh, I, I can't I think unsee he's, that, I, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I think he's decent overall. Um, <laughs> uh, I also started building a Goliath specialist, who's just a ganger who gets to actually take good weapons instead of average weapons. Um, so he's sort of running forward, axe in one hand, grenade launcher in the other, because grenade launchers are cool. Um, and then on the on the second day of not going to work, I broke and I lost it and I fell to darkness. And by that, I mean, I took the second stimmer from the, uh, the Forge Board and Stimmers kit, and I began hacking him into tiny little pieces to build a Goliath Berserker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, because, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so, uh, hey, Forge Board is closed, and a lot of people don't super love the Goliath Berserker model from Forge World as it is. I think it's really cool. It's pretty close yeah. to the art. Okay. I would prefer it with, like, the masthead, maybe, but, yeah, you know, it's good. Um... The important thing is, it's still on a 40 millimeter base, just like the Stimmers, but it's absolutely fucking huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I did a lot of work. Uh, I initially built him up with just the regular Stimmer legs as they come, uh, at which point Aaron, and like I blocked out the torso with blue tack and stuck the head on, at which point Aaron said, his legs look too small, his hip is too narrow, and I'm like, ah, oh, you're right. So I spent 10 minutes sawing him in half at the hip, like between the legs. <laughs> Yeah, um, and like brought in the legs, built like a frame out of matchsticks, <laughs> all super glued <laughs> together, that kind of thing. Uh, then, then you know, started building up with putty and gluing the various actual bits of plastic onto this matchstick and uh, putty frame. Uh, so he is now sp- he's he's sprinting forwards. He's got big wide hips uh, for bearing all that extra weight, um, and he has one. Very, very, very big arm. He's got this massive left arm with like the curled fist and the bone spikes growing out of the elbow and stuff. Because I took it from the uh, the Vermin Lord Corruptor. Oh, one right, of the okay. arms that yeah, yeah. it's the yeah, uh, yeah. it's the little the little Reaper sickle arm mm. thing. So I just cut the blade away from that. You know, filed down things so it doesn't look like he's holding much in his hand. Um, yeah, and it it's about the right size. It's a, it's an arm the size of a regular person. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that's about right. <laughs> and like, and, and like, you know, one of their, so they've got the options for just open fists, which is like just in melee, a little bit of extra strength. And then they can get mutated fists, which is the better upgrade because it gives you like a two inch reach on all your melee attacks and stuff like that. Um, where a necromunda usually need to be base to base. Um, so I'm going with that, obviously. So he's got one extremely large left arm and then I'm not going to give him a right arm at all. Because I was, I was going through all my spare arms looking for a teeny tiny right arm, and there wasn't any that quite fit aesthetically really well. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, then I had flashbacks to one of the Batman Arkham games where you fight the Abramovich twins who are conjoined twins who got, who were joined at the shoulder, uh, and then got separated. One worked for the Penguin, one worked for Joker. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. And which, they're, which they're ones like, are in? Uh, I think they were in Arkham, either in Arkham Knight or the, uh, the, the flashback one, the Arkham Oh, Origins. Origins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. might have been in that one. But, you know, they're also in the comics and stuff. Okay. Um, 
yeah, and like, you know, one has a hammer and the other one has a sickle because they're Russian and, you know, symbolism is dead. Subtlety is dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go quite that deep, but, um, I, I like the idea of building another one of these guys at some point and then them both having this sort of puckered surgery scar and missing one arm to show that they used to be twins and like, cool, they could be the Bash brothers because everyone's <laughs> name had to start with B in yep. this, um, I'm probably never going to take two berserkers in a gang because they're big and expensive and hit hard in melee as opposed to regular guys who are not so big and not so expensive but still hit really hard in melee. But yeah, I wanted to build a cool model, so that's where I'm going. Um, he's mostly still putty. I've started sculpting some green stuff muscles sort of to help connect the arm on better and over the next few weeks slash months I will learn how to sculpt muscle properly and <laughs> really build them out and anything that doesn't look good i'm just going to stick a bunch of injectors all over him and wiring and cabling because he's, he's on them stims he's stimming every day um <laughs> stimming every yeah. day oh yeah um and then in necromunda for painting i painted another goliath i painted buddy who is uh, a goliath <laughs> with a cigar and a stub cannon <laughs> and he's lovely <laughs> I really, really, really love painting these guys. They're actually super fun to paint. Um, I, I think it's the, great the larger name. than... Yeah, it's <laughs> Sorry, laugh, is that? Yeah, I'm no, thinking, it's good. Sorry, I'm thinking of... Uh, <laughs> I'm not your buddy friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. What was it? Um, I really enjoy painting Goliath. I think it's like the larger than human uh, scale musculature is actually really easy to learn to highlight on, like layering up the muscles and things like that. Um I went for a slightly warmer skin tone because I did, uh, I did, uh, Benny? No, not Benny. I forget the name of the first one I did. Uh, <laughs> Binks. Binks. Binks is the first right. one I did. Okay. Yeah, there we go, yeah. Uh, I did Binks super, super pale, like he's never seen any light at all. Uh, been crawling away down in the dark depths of the underhive for his whole life. Uh, Buddy clearly has, like, access to some kind of artificial lamp because he's got a slightly warmer, more human skin tone, although he's very pale still. He's not, like, inhumanly pale. Yep. Um, I learned, um, I, like I said, I'm learning a lot on these models. I learned how to paint stubble, which is nice. Oh. Um, yeah, it's essentially just mixing gray into your base skin color and then feathering it on so it doesn't look super smooth. Um, yeah, makes sense. yeah, but he, he's got How I do my beard in real life? <laughs> 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 oh, God. Yeah, uh, he's got the, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's got that really heavy five o'clock shadow. Um, and like, Oh, man, uh, I think I mentioned it last episode, but they are fooling around with these Necromunda kits because, remember, that cigar in his mouth is a separate piece to his entire oh, face. Oh, yeah, you said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, it didn't come loose while I was painting it, but that was my biggest fear was, like, I hadn't put enough glue in or hadn't put the glue in the right spot and it would come loose at some point. It has not, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, I painted it. It's It's glowing a little on the end, so I did a little bit of, like, you know, orange to red to yellow to try and get that glow on there. I'm not sure how well it came out. By the end of the day, it's this, like, half a millimeter size piece, so no one's going to notice too much, I think. Um, mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, he was super fun to paint. Uh, I also painted up an Escher. I'm pretty sure I didn't mention this last time because I'm pretty sure I did that in the last two weeks. Uh, I painted up one of the Escher, a uh, girl with a shotgun, just to yeah. kind of hash out the uh, the color scheme, and I accidentally taught myself wet blending <laughs> while doing the pants. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning a lot of things unintentionally. I was just like, oh, I just want to get these done really quick, and I did them too quick and started blending the colors together. I was like, oh, this is how that works. Oh, See, that's a beautiful thing. It was really easy. Yeah. 
uh, accidentally teaching yourself things that you were too afraid to learn before because you thought they'd be too hard. Um, <laughs> it turns out they're fine. Uh, I probably need a wet palette to do it properly, but you know, it's a little cooler now, so things don't dry instantaneously. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm doing like sort of bright blue pants and then purple armor and then pink hair on them. Uh, with lots of gold and green highlights and accents on all their jewelry and stuff. And the Esher are a lot harder to paint than the Goliaths, because they're just so much more detailed. <laughs> like, they've got stuff all over them, and then the Goliaths just have, like, big plates, big pants, that's all they need. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's still fun in a different way. Uh, that's a motto for life. Things. Yeah. Big plates, yeah. big pants. You saw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, so that was my painting, and then, so that's my Necromunda stuff, I jump over to my 40k stuff, uh, over in 40k proper, I've been working on my Night Rampager again, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, I found some, I found some very, very old green stuff that I think is from, like, 2009, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just going through my bits box, I found, like, an unused, uh, an unused, uh, sort of chunk of green stuff still in its packaging, I'm like, oh, cool, yeah, I'll use that, um, just called moldy stuff do- now. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, use, <laughs> use that to do some cabling. And while green stuff doesn't technically go off, after 11 years, it has definitely gotten a lot, uh, more rigid. Like, I could still mix it up, but it was, instead of like in that floppy, thin stage when you roll into a tube, it was already at sort of like that half dry, quite easy to maneuver and mold <laughs> without breaking stage, which is really good. Um, cause that made doing the cabling a whole lot easier. Uh, so I've basically, just done a crap ton more cabling on the uh, Night Rampager. Um, so I've, I built that head. I added three little horns at the front to make it a little more alive and demonic, because that's cool. And then I completely covered up the putty, joining it to its little cow piece of armor uh, with a whole bunch of cables. It's got that big, long, sort of cably, insectoid-looking face, neck, everything. Uh, I added more cables to the Gauntlet of Ascension, the big power fist with the twin uh, little mini Gatling guns that count as a heavy stubber, quote-unquote-unquote, um, <laughs> on it. Uh, so it's got it's got big power cables running over it. I added, like, a spike and some loose armor plates that have been bolted on to sort of protect the elbow and stuff like that, but mostly cabling. Um, I added a bunch of cabling to the waist to help disguise the waist extension I did and put some of the top armor from a Mifidic Blight Hauler, like, I owned a Myphitic Blight Hauler before I started doing this Night Rampager. Like, it was a built model that was on a base and ready to be painted at some point in the future. And then I got the Night Rampager and I'm like, oh, I kind of need to take this apart for bits. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like in 50 pieces now, and most of them are stuck somewhere on this night, uh, which is fine. I can Sorry, just recycle one. then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll have I'll have a happy little fart cart another day, but for now I need a night. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, they're happy little fart carts. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah, and so like, there's an armor plate on the front there. I'm gonna sort of bulk that out a little, just help cover things up a little more, make it look a little more smooth. Got to work out what I'm doing for the crotch armor. I might just end up doing a bunch of loose cabling hanging down because, like, an actual armor plate there seems kind of redundant with the extra armor on the waist already. Um, and oh, and I attached the the fourth toe onto the left foot again because I'd cut that off because it was getting in the way of it sort of gripping the rubble it was standing on. Uh, so I've attached that at a different angle so it rests 
like rests on top of the sawn in half church. Because uh, God, I love that base. That base, that base is endless fun every time I look at it. Uh, it's got to, it's going to be a pain to paint, but it's going to look really cool, which is mm. what's actually important. Um, yeah, and uh, so that that rampage I'm now willing to say is like ninety percent built. Um, I clipped off the the like the chaos symbol over the top of the coffin just to make painting easier. Glued on a bunch of candles and stuff like that to give it that more funeral kind of looking thing, cause just having the candles on the shoulder pads looked a little off. But I'd say it's like now 90% built. I've just got to work on that waist armor and whatever's going on the uh, the groin region of the night, and then she'll be ready to be painted, which is going to be nice. terrifying. We'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, I've got nothing but time. I've got another four or five weeks off probably <laughs> yeah. before I go back to work, so we'll see how that goes. Um that's been the majority of my hobby. Uh, I did a little extra reading from the Black Library Celebration 2020 booklet thing of little short stories. I can't remember the names of any stories I read, but they were good. There's good stuff in there. Um, cool. It's just they're being eclipsed by the Garden of Mortal Delight. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no. One of them was uh, by Mike Brooks. It was a Necromunda one. That was, okay. uh, that was the one I read. Yeah, it was a uh, Dead Drop about okay. an Orlock gang that intercepts intercepts a uh, thing. So... um. The idea is on Necromunda, all the trade has to come through a space station called the Eye of Selene, and the black market gets around this by literally dropping packages from orbit and pretending they're <laughs> trash, like burning up in the atmosphere. And so all the gangs, oh, yes. all all the gangs go out there on those little Gene Steel occult style buggies, and they have <laughs> Mad Max, they have Mad Max road wars to steal illegal goods from each other, and it's awesome. Like there's, there's like June June escapes and everything like they crash cars into ravines and things like that. It's awesome. It's that's, a a, that's a homebrew game in itself, I think, by the sound of it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, oh. It's, it's, it, it sounds like Gorkamorka, but with humans instead of orcs. Essentially, <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> and and like I I really liked it as well because like it lets you feel for what the Orlocks are because the Orlocks seem super generic. But yeah. like they they have, they have their own flavor and like you know they have that biker gang family style thing going on. It's pretty cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's what I've done because I've spent a lot of time watching anime and Netflix and reading uh, <laughs> and all those kinds of other things you get up to and uh, you know, washing dishes and scrubbing floors. Yeah, we'll get we'll get this house clean one day. <laughs> Got <it. laughs> Aaron Aaron's glaring at me from outside. Hey, sweetie. <laughs> I'm being an adult at last. Yeah, responsibility. I'm my keep. <laughs> cool. Right, uh, right. But yeah, that was me. Yeah, that's pick up these lollies while you talk. <laughs> yes, that's it. Don't let them melt, sir. Right. Okay. So before I get into my uh, part of the hobby section, we'll do our hobby tip of the episode. Uh, this comes from friend of the show, Adrian, and he. Well, this is. Probably it's a combination of little tips that all sort of link together, really. So uh, he says, uh, test any new recipe. Fortunately, mm-hmm. there's usually something spare in any kit that you do. Uh, stick an extra part to a bit of sprue and use it for testing. Again, very solid uh, mm-hmm. good thing to do. Uh, buy some BioStrip 20, um, which I know is quite easy to get hold of here in the UK because I've got some myself from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you may have trouble in other <laughs> countries. I've never but, heard of it. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> i yeah. look it up. <laughs> Exactly. I think it's it's definitely over here, but it would be whatever your equivalent is. Uh, basically, it's to strip models. Um, mm. And it basically says if everything goes wrong, you can just strip it back and start over again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, don't be scared to try something 
uh, in case it goes wrong, see above, i.e. you haven't mm. really got much to lose. You know, you can always, you know, use a spare part or yeah, yeah. said strip it back, which, yeah, mm. I mean, I think that that's a, a solid device because there is a lot of fear sometimes in models. And we like, well, I want to try this, but then I don't know if I, I'll wreck mm. my model or things like that. I mean, obviously you don't care because that's why I call you Fabius Bark. You just go <laughs> you know, head along in and come yeah. up smelling of um of roses really somehow um, yeah somehow so <laughs> but uh no thanks adrian solid bit of advice mm. right okay what have i been up to um i'll be honest it's been a mix it's like i said mm. i think it, it comes into this you know self-isolation mode that we're in where you start picking at stuff you may not you know have done before or whatever so right um Right, what have I done? So I built a Skink Star Priest because, you know, I've got my Seraphon stuff. He's a lovely little mm-hmm. model. Um, oh, yes, he is. He is. He's still, you know, still looking strong. Um, not much more I can say than that. He, he's a cool little model. Um, <laughs> next, um, I have been bitten by that Space Wolves bug, jaws oh, yes. thing. The um, uh, lycanthropy. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. I am slowly turning into a werewolf. Because <laughs> um, I've been working on some space wolves in the last week mm. or so, and I'm really enjoying it. It's really good, good fun working on space wolves um, because th- there's a lot of conversion and kit bashing opportunities with them. To be honest, mm. um, you know, you I know you can sort of bring it down to just sticking extra bits of fur and wolfy stuff on them, <laughs> but that's where you can mm. get away with it. I like the fact they're not as clean cut as your traditional other sort of chapters. It's nice to sort of make them a bit more rugged um especially the fact i've got a lot of spare uh ogre stuff or um you know from yeah from aos which is you know got fur and meat and you know it's all quite appropriate Mm. sort of stuff so i may start using some of that um so what have i been doing right so i bought a rune priest i managed to get the original metal version of the rune priest it's the one that you can get still on the gw site but obviously it's Mm. there's a fine cast version of that now and He's the one with the uh, force axe and plasma pistol. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, I, 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 I did a slight kit bash with him. So I thought, oh, I'm going to give him, uh, you know, I was on Battle Scribe. I'll give him a Storm Bolter because mm. um, ah. that's cool. And, you know, I did it. I changed the hands on it because I had a left-handed Storm Bolter. I made it right-handed, mm. all happy. And then I realized it was sort of either an Index or a Legends choice. And I was like, oh, ah. damn it. So... I may yeah. give him a plasma pistol in the end. I don't know, but I've given him a jump pack as well. So that's, nice. there's not really much to that. He's just the old metal version. Um, yeah. Next thing I've done, or one of the other things I've done, is I've started doing a wolf priest. Um, mm-hmm. I've just sent you the picture on Discord Ooh, so you can know what I'm talking about. So so my wolf priest is probably the epitome of kit bashing. Oh, <laughs> I've wow. Really, I've, gone really, cool. <laughs> I've gone really sort of to time with him as such. Uh, so... Mm. You mentioned the Mark Three kit earlier. Mm-hmm. I use the Mark Three kit yep. for for Excellent this boy. Choice. So yep, yep. so basically, I've used <laughs> the legs in Mark Three armor, which I think is quite you know. I thought Wolf Priest, you know, they've been around a long time. Usually, they're quite older, so therefore they have mm. slightly older armor. So yeah, so he's yeah. got like I said the Mark Three legs. Uh, the torso is from a Thunder Cavalry, uh, mm. Thunder Wolf Cavalry uh, Marine. Uh, so I managed to get those off eBay. So I just literally bought a few torsos. Happy days. Nice. So he's got mm-hmm. that. Um, the skull sort of thing hanging <laughs> by his crotch <laughs> is um, is from the the great uh, from the sort of space wolf pack, Grey Hunters 
sort of pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the Mark III Power Fist as well, rocking yep. that. Beautiful uh, Power Fist. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. You know, the old style version. Uh, his, his left shoulder pad is actually the Space Wolf one from the Death Watch kit. Obviously, you get oh, all the different chapter nice. ones, so yeah. I thought I'd have that. Uh, his his right his right arm is actually a grey knight arm. Uh, j- oh, but it, it was actually just yeah. the right sort of angle that I wanted. It's mm. gen- you know quite mm. generic, but it's actually technically a grey knight arm. I then put on a furry shoulder pad from the again from <laughs> the uh, the, sp- the space wolf pack. Um, now mm. he's rocking a crozius in his uh, his hand there. Now mm. that's actually. The power axe from the Space Wolf pack. Ah. So the ha- so the actual hand and you know the actual body of it is that the power mm. axe is actually the head. Uh, you know, so basically where you can see the like there's a Space Wolf head, yeah. wolfy head. Yeah, it's like the yeah. the axe would be on the other side, but I've actually cut it off, flipped it around, cut off the axe oh. side of things, okay. and then put put yeah. some fur on the back. Um, wow. So that's, that's basically cool. that's what that is. Uh, mm. And then obviously I've given him. Uh, jump pack and i've put obviously a little trophy thing on top as well uh his head is mm. also from the uh space wolf pack as well i thought i gave him a wolfy yeah. head as yeah. well so uh, no you know nice. for, that was literally just over a lunchtime when i was working mm. last week so yeah that's thought, awesome cool you know he, he fits <laughs> the job he's looking cool so mm. i did that uh i've been working on the intercessor squad as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, that's actually gone really well because what I've been using is the easy to build kit because obviously I got a load of copies of issue one of Warhammer Conquest yeah, when it came yeah. out and, and then I realised up in the attic I'm like I've got loads of spare <laughs> intercessors so um, so basically what I've been doing is using them adding wolfy bits to them I then got the um, Space Wolf Primaris upgrade kit mm. to also get the the shoulder pads etc and then basically I just hacked away at the um the easy to build yeah. left arm <laughs> and basically cut away because obviously it's all fused as one piece so i cut mm. away that and then just stuck the shoulder pads on and it it works really well um i gave i've given the sergeant a thunder hammer so mm. uh because obviously that's part of the new book that has been delayed um <laughs> well physically anyway <laughs> uh they can have thunder power thunder hammers now um yeah, yeah and i'm the rest of them i just added wolfy bits to them uh give them all bearded mm. heads and yeah for a, a five-man squad it looks really nice um mm. i've started on my gray hunters as well because again i got mm-hmm. a space wolf pack so i've got 10 gray hunters at the works at the moment they're just legs and torsos at the moment but That'll be the next thing I'll be working on this week. Uh, so, yeah, my Space Wolves are coming together. So I've got a awesome. Smash Captain in the works, or planned anyway at some point. Um, I bought some Wolfen, and I bought a Devastator Squad as well, uh, oh, because I'm going to make them Long Fangs. Because mm. obviously you can't get the Long Fangs as a kit anymore. You have to get Devastators mm. and just Wolf them up, which is fine. That's what I'm in the middle yeah, of doing. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I've got about a thousand points planned, but I'm almost wow. there really. Like I'm well on the way yeah. to, to sorting that really. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying doing the space wolves. So yeah, that's we'll good. see. Um, I did order prophecy of the wolf, um, mm. before everything went into lockdown, <laughs> unfortunately, because that's not coming at, you know, at this point, because obviously it depends yeah. on who, where you bought it from. So obviously that's paused at the moment, but I have got Ragnar and some incursors on the way so uh right what else um also what arrived this week was my dread saurian base so uh, i think i said last episode that i'm Mm. going to be 
making a Dreadsaurian using a plastic dinosaur from Amazon, <laughs> which I saw yeah. on Reddit, um, I found, like I said, I think I mentioned it, that I think it was Dark Fantastic Mills. They do an actual exact base size, which is 280 mm. mil by 210 mil base. Jeez. It's like a dinner plate. It's a platter <laughs> when it comes. Um, it's big. It's a big boy base. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I completely forgot I ordered it and it just randomly turned up the other day. So yes, I have the base for that now and it nice. is huge. So yeah. yeah, that's another future project in the works. Um, right. Okay. What else? Oh, right. Another, yeah, here's another random thing I did. I um, started... Uh, and completed Chaos Bane, so Warhammer mm-hmm. Chaos Bane. So that is the Warhammer Fantasy Diablo type game uh, that you yeah. can get on the consoles yeah. and PC. Um, it's good. It's good. Um, oh, good. Not amazing. Good. It's so- mm. it's a solid. Um, it's you know it's not actually as long as you think it's going to be. I probably mm. wrapped it up on in about twelve hours or so. It's not a, and I played all the DLC, which is nice mm. because you can. It's a Tomb Kings DLC as well mm-hmm. um and there was another one which is the thing is the the forges of null um mm. and yeah it's really good i played as the the high elf uh mage and i'll be honest it got a bit easy you know it, it's mm. one of those where i played it on normal i probably should have cranked up the difficulty because it actually was quite straightforward i think i died once in the whole game and that was because i wasn't really concentrating but uh yeah mm. uh it's good it's solid it's a solid game um you can pick it up quite cheap now um so i think if you just want a bit of a fancy game that you can just sort of switch off on um mm. and you like diablo type games then yeah i think you should th- you know thoroughly enjoy it really just like to just be prepared it's not that long i think you can do obviously yeah. you can replay it or play as other characters which is part of it, but the actual story quest um, is good. It's, you know, it's with this particular character, you've got Techless basically running it for you mainly. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just something to, you know, that I thought I'd pick up whilst uh, we got the time to. Um, talking of video games, I've also bought Mechanicus um, as well, because again, that was on a, that was mm-hmm. on sale. And I played about like the first mission or just do like the tutorial yeah, side. Yeah. Really good. The style of it is fantastic. Mm, the voice mm. work. Well, I say the voice work. What they've used for the tech priests sort of talking to each other is mm. really, really good. You know, it's just all yeah, jumbles yeah. and, but they've sort of like, <laughs> but like where their feet, like for example, a female character, like a female tech priest, they've sort of given it like a female robotic voice, but with okay. like, it's almost like it's done like, yeah. like in a synth sort of way. It's like they've used a synthesizer mm. to mm. sort of do these voices. It's really good. Really, really yeah. good. Um, you know, it's basically um, Admech versus Necrons. Mm. Stylish. Very stylish. Yeah. yeah. Have you paid much attention to the music? Because I didn't really mention this as a hobby, but all I've been listening listening to for like background doing work noise is the <laughs> um I think it's the main theme for that, the one that da 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 Yeah, da. it is I, I, I have it, and I think that's I think that's actually what struck me about this game. You know, mm. again I've probably played half an hour, forty five minutes, so not very long, but the actual theme music, like I said, the the style of it, the intro, the actual sort of intro yeah. is really good. You know, it's really well made, really, really 40k, you know, yeah, when, like, when, it, yeah. when it, before it comes up like the Mechanicus logo where they're sort of taught, you know, where you've got a tech priest basically, you know, talking to you as the, uh, as the listener, it's done really mm. well. It's really epic, like really epic music. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's really stylish game. Um, mm. It's a turn-based, you know, it's again, a bit XCOM-y type game, but mm. um, yeah. it's basically about, 
you know, moving your characters. Uh, you got a set amount of moves and, and such like. It's basically, they said, you're ad mech investigating, uh, you know, mm. ships and the tombs and basically, you know, dealing with Necrons. And yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to playing more of that. So yeah, that is what I'll be doing this yeah. week. Um, Awesome. What else? Um, right, reading-wise, um, I've got a load of books in the last, week, last <laughs> week or two. Right, so I finished uh, Regent Shadow. So that's the mm-hmm. uh, one I spoke about last last week. Really, really good. I thoroughly recommend Regent Shadow. Um, obviously, we, we talk about the characters Valerian and Alea, which is obviously the Custodes and Sister of Silence that got models recently to obviously tie in with the book. Uh, yeah, it, it's got a few surprises in it. It's, uh, I mean, it's Chris Rate. He's a really good writer. He, go, he goes into things quite, you know, quite deeply at times. Um, got some cool action scenes. You got a few surprises, like our boy, Wink, is in there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thoroughly recommend checking that out. Um, and then the rest are ones that I've either started or about to start to, um, this week. So I got um, Sinner's Bounty, which is mm-hmm. the Necromunda one by Josh Reynolds about um, yep. Cal Jericho. So I'm going to start that this week. Um, I picked up the paperback of Knights of McCrag, which I mm. didn't get on with when I got the audio book, um, which I think I've spoken about on the show before. It's when Dan joined us for a special mm. and he mm. sort of said, stick with it. So I've bought the paperback because it was going really cheap. So I'm going to give that one another go. Maybe by reading it in paperback, I may sort of click with it. Uh, I yeah. also bought Valdor on uh, hardback as well, mm-hmm. because again, that would seem to be going cheap on Amazon for some reason. So I'm looking forward to that. I also picked, talking up about uh, Mike Brooks and Necromunda, like you said earlier, I picked up Road to Redemption, which is his new Necromunda novel, mm-hmm. um, yep. which I forgot I ordered. It just turned up the other day. <laughs> it was a lovely surprise because mm. um, I pre-ordered it about two months ago. And uh, yeah, that looks really good. It's about House Corridor, which is quite appropriate for me because I picked up a House Corridor gang mm. a few weeks ago. Looking forward to that. Um, and lastly, regarding reading, I started Saga of the Beast, as in the mm. um, the audio drama that's now yeah. on, um, you know, like Audible and such like. Uh, it's only it's about four or five hours long, but look at it, I'm a couple hours in. Really good. Really good. Mm. I, good. It's about Ragnar Blackmane, you know, again, quite appropriate uh, this time because mm. he's now out, uh, or will be, <laughs> depending on if you've received him <laughs> or not. Um, yeah. Really good, really well produced audio drama. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I got plenty to read. <laughs> um, and my last little bit of hobby stuff, which is what I mentioned briefly uh, earlier, is I'm going to be playing AOS D and D. Now, mm. I, you know, like yourself, Cameron, you obviously play a lot of D and D. A lot of people yes. on our Discord server play D and D, and I. I'm a simple D&D virgin. I've never played it before in my life. Um, and I want to join in on this. I feel like I'm being left out of this D&D goodness. So I said to the guys, hey, you know, we got time now <laughs> at the moment. You know, can, should we try and run something on Discord here? So um, a few people were interested. And I said, well, why don't we, do, you know, as we're a Warhammer Discord, let's do something Warhammer related. So basically we're going to be, so my mate Martin, he's going to be uh, running it. And basically, yeah, we're going to be doing a playing D&D, but with a AOS skin on top, effectively. Mm. So the story, yeah. the characters will all be that, but we'll be obviously using pre-existing D&D, 
you know, classes and yeah. such like yeah. to basically to, to use them. So, um, yeah, that's starting awesome. next week. We've got our first yeah. session planned in about a week's time or just less than a week's time. Um, mm. I'm going to be a witch elf rogue. Um, yeah. Uh, I need to do the backstory, but she's going to be an ex gladiator. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. And I think we've got a skink star priest. And I can't remember. I think the one. I can't remember the one. I think the fighter. No, it's going. No, I think it's going to be an orc fighter of sorts. Nice. I can't remember. But nice. yeah. Anyway, we've got we've got the holy trinity. We've got a major rogue, a fighter. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Like I said, I've never played apart That's from awesome. when when you and I obviously did uh, Wrath and Glory for our first anniversary episode. That was my first mm. ever tabletop RPG experience. This is. I say, going to be my first D and D one. I'm really looking forward to it. I must say, um, yeah, um, excited. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I feel like I'll be able to understand what people are talking about when they talk about Mm. all this sort of stuff, and I don't feel like the outcast. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, I will update you as and when I have some more sessions of that. So, um, cool. Okay, that has been our hobby section. I think. So we've been busy boys to various mm. degrees. Um, we're going to take our first little break now. And then we've got all that lovely Warhammer news from the previews to talk about. Back soon. Well, welcome back. Welcome back to the news section. And is it's episode 50. We're doing something mm. special. Mm. I have handed the baton of news over to our dear, dear Cameron here. So going oh, forward, Lord. Cameron <laughs> is going to be running the news section on our episodes now. I know, Maybe. I know. It was, it's was. it been a long time coming. He's not an aspirant uh, anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought we'd mix it up yeah. now. So uh, Cameron enjoys hosting the news. So let's ha- yeah. let him have it. So, yeah, Cameron. Yeah. Tell me Alrighty. about the news. Well, we've had a lot of news over the last couple of weeks. Uh, first off, we've had our two Warhammer Online previews uh, last night and the Saturday before that. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about from those. There's also been little splits and spots in other places. But this this is basically all from that. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with the 40k news. The first most important, grandest, and most beloved part in, part of the news today is obviously going to be Psychic Awakening, War of the Spider, Fabius Bile is back, baby! <laughs> oh yes. my god. I mean, we knew he was coming. We'd, we'd been yeah. teased of him uh, last episode, but oh my god. So, so excited for this. I cannot. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, Kirioth, obviously having a great time saying, look, I called it. All you people said I was wrong. <laughs> um, <Yep>. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so we've now seen the full gorgeous model of Fabius Pyle. And I think he is really up there. Um, it He's essentially the old model is he's exactly the same as the old model. He's got a little more dynamism in him. It looks like he's moving with purpose and intent. Uh, and he's obviously to the current scale of 40 K with the current expected level of detail from these characters. He looks Oh, he looks so good. Um, I've seen a lot of, <laughs> I've seen a lot of discussion about noses. However, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your, what's your take uh, on um, all this? Then, <laughs> yeah, I I love him. Uh, I must admit, I I mean, like you, I've got a massive soft spot for 
him as a character because I love him mm. in the novels. I think he's such a cool thing to have in the 40k universe. The fact he's doing his own thing, you know, he's and mm. with with a sense of almost righteous purpose that he, you yeah. know, which yeah. which I know obviously a lot of the other factions and other things you get in the in the 40k universe ha- have that similar sort of trait. But I think with him, it's just something different. But I think mm. as a model, he looks fantastic. I, I echo what you just said. It's great. The fact that they've just taken his old model and just modernized it. They've not gone crazy. Mm. They've not like, you know, they've literally, if you actually look at the models side by side or, or in the case of the website where it, it <laughs> over scrolls the uh, the old photo um mm. it it looks good it's the fact that everything is pretty much where it was in the previous model you know they've sort of yeah. it's almost you know within reason a replica but like i said where they mm. made him bigger he looks more grand now he's more in keeping mm. with how he should be but at the same yeah. time he's looking a bit old he's looking a bit haggard which again yes. is appropriate you know that's the way he obviously we know he clones himself but you know mm. it's taking its toll on him um the whole nose situation was hilarious but i think <laughs> the um i think it's one of those where i personally when i saw him we saw mm. the leak where you just saw his nose and, and yes. most of his face. It was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But when you see him mm. as a character now, like the whole model, it works. I yeah. don't feel like yeah. the nose is as prominent as it was mm. when you see the whole mm. model. Uh, yeah. I love him. I love it. I yes. think Good. definitely going to get it as a as a as a mm. piece to have. And yeah, oh, yeah. I cannot I cannot wait <laughs> for this model. Yeah, it's. It's going to be great, because he's coming back in style. Uh, there was a lot of speculation over whether Empress Children would get a second thing out of Psychic Awakening, because Fabius Bile obviously is originally from their Legion. Uh, they're not. Bile has officially has officially completely split from the Legion, it seems, because he's mm-hmm. now the leader of a brand new sub-faction for Chaos, which is Agents of Bile, mm-hmm. um, which this is going to be really interesting. Um I'm really hoping they are as fully fleshed out as the other legions, uh, because, you know, I want a set of warlord traits, I want a big set of stratagems, and, like, some unique units, hopefully. Um, even if it's just, like, a stratagem to make your cultists into new men, for example, you know, give them all extra strength, toughness, and weapon skill, or something like that. Like, I don't know what the faction's going to be. That's the thing. We have no idea. Mm. Presumably it's going to have a bunch of, like, stat buffs to units in it or something like that to represent the experimentation they go under. It might not. Who knows? It's a complete mystery, which is exciting. Yeah. This is, this is new. It's new, new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's shiny new. <laughs> shiny new. Yeah. 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 Um, and... Uh, I'm also interested in Psychic Awakening War of the Spider because it not only includes the Agent of Bile, it includes... The Talons of the Emperor, that is mm-hmm. Custodes and Sisters of Silence, Imperial Assassins, and the Death Guard. Yeah, your boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope I hope we get something decent out of it. I guess they can't make us worse with it at the very least. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm mostly excited for Fabius Bile just because it feels like there's a lot crammed into this one. Yeah. Uh, but the overall story seems to be the Custodes and Sisters of Silence are escorting a brand new barge of Primaris reinforcements. To a chapter they had, they they don't know has just gone renegade, uh, presumably due to bile. And meanwhile, the Death Guard also want that big troop, big troop carrier full of Primaris Marines for their own nefarious mm. reasons. So Hot everyone's property. going for that prize. Hot property. Mm. Go, and wait. that will come out at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I suppose that ultimately this would have been 
the potential May one mm. because obviously if we yeah. had Engine War as April it's this April. month, yeah. then yeah, this would probably have been the May one. But obviously with the whole mm. situation, that's yeah. sort of gone out the window. But you know, that's where we'll it goes. Mm. Yeah, uh, we also got a look at Hammer and Bolter Death's Hand, which. Correct me if I'm wrong, is the more cartoon-style animation we got teased? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, this looks pretty cool. Um, This appears to maybe be the thing that the Kalidus assassin is uh, from, from the initial Warhammer Storyforge teasers. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the moment, it just showed off a whole bunch of character shots. It's a more cartoony style, like severely cartoony, <laughs> uh, but like yeah. in a good way, I feel. like There's, a lot, there's yeah. a lot of character in these characters. I'm interested to see where they go. Um, the catachin just sort of flexing after getting shot is maybe a little much, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit 40 K, but mm. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. No, I, I think, it, I think it's really good. I think the fact that it's got, yeah, it's got that sort of comic book sort of mm. style, isn't it really? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think it's nice that they've got different styles for a lot of this media that they're coming up with. Obviously mm. when we talk about angels of death, you know, obviously that's completely different again. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> it reminds me with showing the, seeing these things. Do you remember they, when they did the animatrix, when the matrix films came out, um, they, I don't know. Maybe basically maybe. they did, they did uh, a sort of release around or just after the, when the matrix films came out, mm. obviously this is quite a few years ago now, and they did the animatrix, which was basically a collection of short, Oh. matrix animations done by yeah, different people yeah. there's about i don't know mm. 12 15 of them or something like that and they were all yeah. different styles um mm. it's a, i suppose a bit like is it love sex robots on netflix is it yeah, sort of, yeah. it's a bit like that it's like completely that. different styles every each little animation mm. is completely different and it it reminds me of that where you're like oh here's death's hand here's his angels of death you know they're all you know they're, they're all 40k mm. but they're all mm. completely different styles so which is yeah. good you know just yeah. keeps it varied it's awesome yeah. yeah, and I mean, we'll we'll keep on speaking about that, because uh, last night at the Warhammer Preview Online 2, Online Preview 2, uh, we got a full, filled up two minutes worth of trailer for Angels of Death. This is the <laughs> one by the Hell's Reach creators, and holy crap, that's <laughs> it's looking... It's <good>, it? <laughs> Ooh, it's looking really, really good. Um, And just as importantly, it is sounding pretty good. Mm. Uh, like, I, I am impressed that the voice acting is all of at least an acceptable quality, verging on, like, actually really good from mm. those few... Well, we had, like, three lines of dialogue or something in the trailer, but nothing sounds crazy cheesy. Everything looks fantastic. Like, that that grayscale animation with the Space Marines highlighted in red is mm. awesome and yeah. sort of... It, it it still feels like a Hell's Reach style, like it's very clearly the same creator because they really favoured that black and white style. But it feels you know polished and brought up to brought up to speed with like an actual professional production. You have massive space battles, you know Blood Angels feet, fleet fighting off a Tyranid Hive fleet. Um, you know blast that thing from the void, all that kind <laughs> of. Mm. It looks great. Yeah, it looks. Oh man! I, it was it was funny in the chat because obviously we were discussing it on Discord mm, as the mm. reveal was happening, and and prior to this trailer coming on, we were talking about wouldn't it be great if they brought back Battlefleet Kothika? And obviously mm. we then saw this trailer, and everyone went wild. Like, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's Angels of Death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Meth about up and died because it yeah. was literally within yeah. seconds of me saying, "Oh, what if they bring back Battlefleet Gothic?" And he's like, yeah. "Oh god, no, my wallet." <laughs> 
Yeah, um, but that's still coming this year. It's still set for 2020, no close mm-hmm. date given. Um, yeah. And honestly, I believe this is the one thing that won't be delayed. Animators can, if given the proper equipment, at least work from home. You can't really produce models uh, from mm-hmm. home on the scale Games Workshop does. So, But yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I still want to uh, know how they're distributing it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, I was going to say, that's the interesting thing. It'd be actually how we see these things. Are they going to be, you know, do you, are you going to buy them on DVD? Are they going to be streamed? Are they, you know, like are, in what yeah. format are they going to be? Um, mm. You know, is it is some going to be free? Some are going to be paid for? Yeah, mm. we don't know at this point, but no um, I'm sure we're all going to gobble it up. <laughs> when, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When they come. One thing I, I, I thought was fantastic and actually probably one of my highlights of yesterday mm. uh, when and this we were showing it was that Sister of Battle image mm. oh mm. man she looks amazing it's just a obviously a yeah. rendered sort of um sc- you know screenshot face. of her face yeah oh man and, correct me if i'm wrong we don't know if that's for angels of death because it's done nope. in like full color as well yeah. we're not sure what that's for can we come something yes, completely that, different well, it, well actually it, it oh. says on the um the page it's it angels of death isn't the only project in the works mm. right now so it's suggesting that this that that's something completely different yeah yeah which looks amazing and, um, yeah and they had the other uh, 360 rendering of the astartes head in that same style yes and, yeah oh man Th- yeah those two <laughs> models are incredible but that's that screenshot of the sister with like the blood streak in her hair and like mm. the scar sneering her like oh my god <laughs> mm. like uh, i i'm pretty sure i mentioned this when this whole animation department was announced this makes me feel like a kid i fucking love it it's yeah. so good <laughs> oh man it's incredible um yep uh speak uh speaking of sisters of battle and uh other things demonifuge which mm. is a 20 year old graphic novel is coming back to us fully remastered and recolored so i guess they're keeping the script and essentially redrawing everything um yeah. as a 20th anniversary uh and with that is coming with two brand new models uh sister Ephrael Stern of the Order mm. of Our Martyred Lady. Uh, for those not in the know, she is presumably the only sister psyker. Yeah, that um, I know about. Yeah. I mean yeah. I I've never I've never read this graphic novel. I have Neither. I've heard of it. Um I was mm. you know I and I've read like a summary of it just to see what and it sounds absolutely bonkers if mm. <laughs> if, you, mm. if you've not read it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of get, I mean she's died a couple of times. <laughs> mm. Well, um, who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's yeah. 40k. You're not a special character if you haven't had at least three beheadings these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and she's also coming with Kaiganil, who is an exiled Harlequin. Mm. Uh yeah, and looks again awesome. Uh I did see the funny the funny uh comparison that, you know, they put a sister model in a Harlequin pose and a Harlequin in a sister's pose. <laughs> um because <laughs> yeah. he's sort of standing there calmly holding his weapons behind his back. Um but yeah, so these two are from the graphic novel. Um they are beautiful models as well. Like the frail stern looks incredible because she's like falling downwards, but mm-hmm. the way that's modeled with all, cause you know, sisters have those a thousand and one religious bits and bobs of their armor. <laughs> that is every single piece of, every single piece of faff that she has everywhere is just floating upwards and like, you know, being pushed upwards by the wind of her descending. Mm, even and, her hair. You know, yeah. Even her hair. It, it's so cool. It's so good. And again, 
Kaganel is in this nice serene pose, surrounded by, like, the diamonds from a shimmer field and stuff like that. Um, and these two are important because they're, they're coming with Def- with Demonifuge, the 20th anniversary of that graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're also coming as, presumably, also the models for Psychic Awakening Pariah. Yes. Um, which is the ninth Psychic Awakening book, which is, there's a lot of them all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> they're sort of they're playing catch up now. Yeah, I think it would be mm. ninth. Yeah, because Saga the yeah. Beast is sixth, Engine War seventh, Spider yeah. would be eight. Yeah, so it would, yeah, if it's yeah, in the yeah, order yeah. they're suggesting, yeah, it'd be the ninth one. Yeah, um, which from the looks of it will be Sisters of Battle at least. Uh, I thought Harlequins initially, but uh, Kaganil is apparently in exile, so doesn't go along with the Harlequins. Um, presumably presumably that is where the Necrons will come in, because Pariah referring to Kaiganil the Outcast, um, mm-hmm. Harlequin, but also the Necron thing of Pariahs, as in they took human blanks and turned them into Necrons, effectively, as a unit back in the old days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, God, I really hope those come back, because that would be awesome. Um, they're being kind of evasive about where Necrons are falling in Psychic Awakening, actually, uh, because shortly after this, we got we got word that um, Death Watch and Harlequins will be getting their Psychic Awakening rules through White Dwarf. Yep, which feels really weird. Yeah, um, it, it's, I, yeah. it's odd, isn't it? I, I'm, I I must admit, it made me feel a bit uncomfortable when they said mm. that. I mean, it seems a bit. I know I. Lazy, maybe a bit, sort of like. Mm. So the I know it's I know it's Harlequin. Like if you use Harlequin's example, obviously they've got a smaller codex, a smaller force, mm. for example. But uh, which I get to a degree. But I thought it's more for the Death Watch. I'm like, well, now they got mm. a lot to them. They're you know they're quite a big deal. I know that again they're a bit of a yeah. specialist faction again, like the Harlequins. But it was yeah a bit odd. It feels like well. They could still get their own book. It's just maybe mm. don't charge as much for it. Just make it a li- like, yeah, the, like the Harlequin's Codex. Yeah. Make it a little bit cheaper and say, well, okay, mm. we put these in. And maybe with the if they put the Officia Assassinorum in this one again, I know obviously mm. story wise, maybe they didn't they wanted it in uh, War of the Spider. But you think, well, yeah, just then it feels at least like a co- cohesive thing. It just feels like yeah, everyone else yeah. is getting their own book, and these guys, oh well, you'll be in just mm. White Dwarf. It's, it feels a bit. Yeah. I know it's it's, it's good in one weird. sense because it, it it means mm. you'll get it cheaper because you can just buy buy a copy of White Dwarf. You know it'd be mm. easy to get hold of, and you don't. But then it it suggests then the the story and everything like that will be a lot less. You know because you're yeah. not even getting a whole yeah. book devoted yeah. to you. So and it, it feels weird in terms of availability because White Dwarf is around for a month and then it's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, and you can still buy all of the Psychic Awakening books. They exi- Well, you can't buy them right now, but they exist. They are on store shelves when stores are open and things like that. Um, mm. Part of me wonders if this is more of a they were far enough down the pipeline, like maybe they were going to be the very last book and their printing schedule has been messed up because of all of this. And so they're going, well, we'll put them in White Dwarf for now. And if, if the schedule of releases sustains it, we'll be able to print the actual book they're in or something. I, I don't know. Mm. Like, it's because um the, the the situation with COVID nineteen has kind of screwed the world in general. But because Games Workshop, I mean, we should cover it now. We can't keep it off. Uh, Games Workshop is completely <laughs> shut down. Yep. We've been dancing around this. <laughs> every store is closed. Uh, every office is closed. Every factory and distribution center that is Games Workshop specific is closed. Mm-hmm. They are doing they are doing the extremely responsible thing. Yes, like, definitely. Of 
of a lot of companies out there, not many have gone to the, the extent of cool, uh, things are getting rough in a few, in a few places we operate. We're going to shut down worldwide until this is over or, or until yeah. this is relatively safe for us to operate again. Um, they may reopen production on April 14th, emphasis on May. I don't think they're going to. No, but, I, yeah, I don't yeah, think, especially yeah. here in the UK where we're get, you know, we're getting even more potentially clamped down. You know, from an isolation mm. point of view, it's actually yeah. only going to get worse here potentially for the next yeah. X amount of time, not better. So I yeah. don't see that happening. And I think, and one thing, like you said, it, it is commendable because I think what I think is good, apart from the obvious thing that is, you know, it's mm. going to be, be safer for many people. I like mm. the fact they've done it because it also echoes that the fact that they're not all about money you know which is often yeah. all they you know there's a you know there is obviously a you know a portion of the community that does bash mm. them for money and you know and let's be honest we've all said it at times ourselves think mm, they're charging a bit too much for that or mm, that seems yeah. a little bit of a money grab <laughs> so we're all slightly guilty of uh of saying mm. that uh but i think it's quite nice that that they've you know sort of said no you know safety mm. yeah people yeah. is most important than 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 profits at the moment so mm. we're going to do the responsible thing so no good on them Mm, yeah, I mean, like, uh, not to bash on the past too much. I feel like six years ago, Games Workshop might not have done this. Like when yeah. they were back under different leadership. <laughs> yeah, like it feel like again. This is part of the quote unquote new Games Workshop we've been talking about for the last two years. Uh, it's not that new. Um, <laughs> like it feels more community forward and somewhat responsible. I mean, they're still a classic company. Obviously, you know, don't want to take too big a risk. You know, still want to maximize our profit and everything. But yeah, they've. They would hope to reopen in a week in a bit's time, but they know honestly they're not going to. Um, yeah. They've they've lost maybe up to half a year's worth of uh, worth of traffic, um, but it's the right thing to do. It's keeping people safe in the community, um, and because of this, basically whenever they do reopen, there's going to be a two to three week period where everything gets geared up again to go. So there won't be any new releases for a few weeks after they reopen. Uh, yeah. So we're going to see some weird schedule stuff over the course of this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the upside, they're committed to at least showing us cool new stuff that they've been working on. Um, this will be interesting because um, they're, they're going to have to do essentially the same release schedule they were always going to do, but like months later, because if they tried to release everything all at once, their year-long backlog or whatever it is would suddenly be heavily depleted. and. <laughs> It'd be a lot more risky for them to start new projects and things. So, we're, yeah, we're just I've, all going to have to deal with it. it yeah, I mean, fine. that's the thing in it. It's like the whole world having to deal with this situation. Mm. This is just one of a, a million, you know, things that are happening. And, oh, yeah. you know, and ultimately, in the grand scheme, it's not the most important compared to what's happening to people out there mm. in, in real life. So, no, it's, it, but you're right. It's going to make things a bit crazy with the schedules and, and mm. you know, it's probably, it has probably mucked up their plans. But, They'll deal with it. They'll do the best they can with it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get cool, lovely stuff when things reopen again. Our wallets oh, yeah. are going to get hammered. So all good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, so where are we in the thing? Cool. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Lieutenant Amulius, who is going to be mm. the Adepticon exclusive figure, like the, the convention exclusive figure, I should say, for this year, uh, is currently able to be made to order. Uh, he will be for another week. Um, hopefully this podcast will be out before that week is up so you can jump on because he's, he's a pretty cool model, honestly. Yeah, that's um, right. But the fact that they're doing this kind of gives me hope for other 
quote-unquote exclusive models mm. because Sergeant Ripper Jackson, when when she was shown off, we all went, oh my god, she's the best model ever. We're never going to get her because we don't have a store opening near us, etc., etc. Part of me feels like, because coronavirus was a thing by the time they announced that, part of me feels like they knew they were going to have to shut down all the stores anyway. So mm-hmm. there's one or two situations. Either she goes up for me to order online, which would be awesome, or when Games Workshop as a whole reopens... She's the first new thing out there. It's like the store reopening, the the company reopening model, and yeah. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, Games Workshop. If, we know you listen to the show. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't even be so bad if if they didn't want to do the made to order. They did it like they did with um, uh, what's the name, the White Dwarf um, as a tech priest. You know, when they did it as uh, a, yeah, a day, yeah. you know, a one day exclusive. That wouldn't be too bad. Wait, no, you know, hmm. no matter what store you go to, you go to your local yeah. store, you can buy her slash mm. order her if they're out of stock yeah. and then at least yeah. everyone's had a good chance of getting a hold of yes. it as opposed to most people who worry won't get a chance and it's a shame like you said because mm. it's such a fantastic model i love her yes. and i don't even like imperial guard so that's how good she is <laughs> <laughs> look I, I just want her for like an orlock or an Asher gang honestly but yeah yeah she'd be so good she'd be so good for necromunda look at her she's beautiful um yeah uh, so that that's kind of the situation worldwide, and that's the that's the news for 40k. Let's move right on to the model realms. It's time for mm-hmm. Age of Sigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, the word the word about town is the word from the herd. It's the Lumineth realm lords. <laughs> um, w- look, we're gonna we're gonna jump over the Alor Stone Guard. They're elves with hammers. They look really cool. Good on them. Maybe their hats are a little heavy. Great, they're fine. They're one of whatever <laughs> battle cattle. Battle cattle, battle cattle, battle cattle. Beefer of secrets. Beefer of secrets. These words, yeah. Beefer of secrets. I love so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, last week I wasn't able to join the Discord chat for the uh, the Warhammer preview stream because uh, I was doing a recording for another show. Uh, but I did accidentally get spoiled uh, by checking Facebook <laughs> of all things uh, on what the reveals were going to be, uh, and I said to everyone, "Yeah, there's some really cool stuff coming up." There's one thing I don't know how to process and entirely did not expect <laughs> in any way. And everyone, oh, what's that? And then about 30 minutes into the stream, they showed off giant elf cow with a mountain growing out of its back, wielding hammers. <laughs> and everyone understood my confusion. Um, these are the, the what is it? Avalanor, the Stoneheart King, is the special character version, dual wielding small hammers. Or you yep. could have an Alarith Spirit of the Mountain, which is a big big two-handed hammer wielding one yeah um god these are these are awesome these yeah. are incredible <laughs> it's so weird i know it's, <laughs> it's what age of sigma is about like yeah all the luminous stuff so far has been like yeah i can kind of see that in a high elf army and then this happens <laughs> <laughs> well that's what I, I like about the realm lord so far is they are quite surprising everyone's in got in the head oh they're just high elves but for aos which they are to a degree mm. obviously with the spearmen with the cavalry they do look quite traditional but then you know i know we slightly skipped over them but even the stone guard the ones with the hammers that yes. you know that doesn't look like oh, traditional yeah. high elves there's there's dwarves mm. spitting at them yes. going, what are they doing with that <laughs> Hammers. and you're you not know, allowed and, to use a bludgeoning weapon that's ours <laughs> exactly <laughs> you've got to check with us first and it, it, it's amazing and and like i said with the beefer of secrets um which is what i'm always <laughs> going to call it now that it, 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 it's fantastic what a fantastic model oh, on so many levels i know obviously there's gonna be yes. some people that probably don't like it and you know we we had the same when we we're talking about tech when that when he was mm. revealed but 
like like you said, it's a big elf bull with a mountain mm. grow or, or a volcano almost looking mm. one in one case yeah. growing out of his back <laughs> with hammers. It's like it, and and I, I said to the guys in in on Discord at the time, it, it's something you'd see at Magic the Gathering. That is literally mm. you oh, see absolutely. it on the card. It's like it's that mm. sort of artwork. Where it's like whoa, what a bizarre looking thing, and I can't wait to see what the rules yes. are for this oh, for eat for both i love the fact they've done like they've done with the the others like like they did with the keeper of secrets where you've got you can build it as a special character or you can build it as the the normal version so i mm. presume you can obviously have uh, multiple yeah. of them if you want um i imagine they're going to be same prices you know all the other great mm. demons maybe yeah. that sort of 85 pounds sort of yeah. uh, price and size wise they're going to be they're going to be the same yeah. size as, as yeah. uh, greater demons and I can't wait to see what uh, a the paint jobs people do on this, um, yes. and secondly <laughs> the, the converting and kit bashing projects oh people are going to do with these. We're going to see some oh really crazy stuff. I think. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just imagined one of them, but with like the black and white fur of a dairy cow. <laughs> 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 we're gonna see it oh my god yeah and, and yeah like like maps in the discord going cool i get to make a zinch gorgon and i've seen people go yes a keeper of secrets just straight up add uh. some claws on that and it's a keeper of secrets um yeah though they're, they're so cool um also coming for the lumineth realm lords is like um the sisters of battle set the trend and it seems to be continuing with big uh, anticipated releases now is they're going to get an army box that is a box containing a lot of models, dice, war scroll cards, counters, a, a measurer of some kind, and the and a special edition of the battle tome. Yeah, which is very cool. And um, this one specifically is also the multi part kits, not uh, easy to build kits like the sisters box was apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's got it's being led by the light of Eltarion, which is the hollow suit of armor possessed by a, a ghost from the world that was, which is cool. Um, it's got ten of the spear, the spearmen. I forget what their name is. The sentinels, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. we'll learn and, as we go. Um, yeah, and then the the light cavalry. Uh, on their very dainty horses, yes. Uh, looks cool. Looks great. Mm. Uh, the dice, the dice look readable. Um, yeah, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a one for the ones, and they've got the Lumineth symbol for the sixes, and that's all that's weird with them. Otherwise, mm. they're normal dice. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's a nice little mm. set. I mean, it, I mean, I was reading online people's reaction were, oh, it's just to start collecting box with an extra book. But you know, at the end mm. of the day, I think it's a nice a nice start to this sort of army because ultimately there's a good chance you're probably going to want these units mm. we don't know mm. but you know i imagine obviously the spear guys are going to be battle line uh, the cavalry yeah. are probably going to be conditional battle line uh, and yeah. you've got then obviously yeah. a named character as well so mm. you know it's obviously has a, a leader choice and then like i said you're getting the lovely mm. you know battle tome the actual you know the limited edition version plus the extra stuff if you know ultimately mm. if this is reasonably priced um then i think this is a lovely set you know ultimately mm. i think yeah. it, a lot of people are going to get on board with this when they start the realm lords mm. and i think ultimately uh, again without knowing obviously until we see their mm. their rules start leaking which inevitably will happen is that, <laughs> <laughs> that at least this you know like this is a good start because like mm. for example mm. with the um if you think back to uh, the Bone Reapers, when obviously we had Feast of Bones, obviously you had, mm. um, what do you have? You had the Mortec Guard with it. You had yes. the, um, oh, the ones that have legions, the, what are they called? Um, 
The um, oh, what they call the, the, <laughs> the ones with the foreheads in one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I wasn't yeah. thinking those. I was thinking the uh, um, the, um, the oh, they're the, stalkers uh, that you're talking about. The yes. neck polished stalkers. You're, no, the, the, the 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 fucking what are they? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The ones that God, they I nicked from Legions and Agash, but those ones. Yeah. And then yeah, obviously you ones. had um, was it Voltarian? Um, was yeah. It Voltarian. Um, yeah. The character who it, the point I'm trying to make is it was an okay sort of start if you mm. wanted obviously to start off the bone reapers you've got more tech guard handy mm. you know you get 10 of them the stalkers are good the ones we can't remember the names of um okay and the character was okay whereas what well, i'm what the point yeah. i'm trying to make is i think this will be a more solid start to mm. around wards yeah. i think you're getting two units you're getting a baseline uh battle line and you're getting you know mobile troops and you're getting mm. a character which i'm thinking will probably be quite good you'll then get oh, yeah. the battle tome anyway which you're going to need you know, and mm. you're getting all the extra gubbins as well i think like i said if it's reasonably priced you know if it's a even if it's around the same price as the uh sisters were which i think were about 120 i think they were mm. over here yeah obviously got a bit cheaper if you got them elsewhere i think because mm. obviously some people were saying oh it's just a start collecting box you know that's what i, I think i think you know as a set it'll be quite a nice buy to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I like that it's it seems styled to draw in high elf players from Warhammer Fantasy as well, because it's you're essentially Lothar and Seaguard and your um re your re your Reavers, your Illyrian Reavers, the the, the spear wielding troop foot troops, the light cavalry, and then the only weird Age of Sigma thing is the named character that's a hollow suit of armor, but it's possessed specifically by a Warhammer Fantasy character. Like, there is a direct tie-in to the old world here as well. It feels... Mm. It doesn't have any of the super crazy stuff that uh, no. they could have. Uh, there's no, there's no you know, half-dead elves riding eels or anything mm. like that. It's just good high elf stuff, uh, star-wise at least. Um, but anyway, no one cares about Lumineth Realms anymore. It's time for the <laughs> Sons of Bayamat. Oh, God, they, they're coming. Um so we got like this is just a tease of a tease, honestly. We got like a little storybook with some cool illustrations, uh, effectively. Um, but everyone's pretty excited about this. They exist. They're real now. We know that they're real. Um, and we got the names of three potential new units. Uh, so mm. we got Kraken Eaters. Um, that might be an aquatic gargant, which is cool. We've got um War Stompers, mm-hmm. which is presumably one with very big feet and then we got <laughs> gate breakers i yep. believe they're called yeah which again just a big giant wielding bits of masonry um if any of these drawings are anywhere near to scale these will be some of the biggest plastic models produced by game workshop ever <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. holy crap these things look like a hundred feet tall in universe <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> I can't wait to see what they, these end up being. Mm. I, I love the fact that, similar to what we see with obviously knight, you know, uh, knights in 40k, where obviously they got their mm. own names of different variants. I love the fact that that's the way they're probably going to do this with the with the gargants. Mm. You know, we'll have their own yeah. versions. Um, and obviously, it's confirmed that they are going to be a destruction faction yes. as well. Because obviously, we yes. were talking about would they be a a grand alliance neutral faction? Mm. Um, yeah, which is a shame they're not, but. you know there was always a good chance they were going to be destruction anyway because that's quite appropriate for them and i suppose to be fair destruction as a grand alliance um doesn't have as many options like actual factions 
script. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> I'm not surprised by that, and mm, I can't wait mm. for these. I, I, yeah, I think I'm just hoping, like you said, that the models are massive. They're going to be glorious, and mm. I'm just hoping that it's going to be a nice way, a bit like Knights, where if you go, I just want to, well, within reason, a quick and easy army. You get a couple yeah. of them and go, right, I'm done. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see this being like, you know, all behemoths are battle line, ignore behemoth restrictions. Um, you know, your your ale guzzler gargants will be your cheap troops that maybe get to come in units of like two to four or something like that, mm-hmm. something nonsense yep. like that, and then the rest of the army will be cool, this guy's six hundred points, he's got twenty four wounds or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um it looks like they're gonna be like the traditional destruction style over overall like there's no good not going to be sort of realm specific sculpts which mm-hmm. was another thing we speculated but a bit of a shame but that's they're still going to be cool um i really want to see i really want to see the kraken eater because if it is like an aquatic gargant that's like adapted to that environment that would be super cool if it's just a gargant carrying around a boat uh, a ruined boat i'm also into that because um one of the one of the recent rumor engines was this sort of ragged, broken sail and mast. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it was all kinds of stuff. I I think they're going to be really cool. We don't know anymore. We might find out more in a couple of weeks' time. Um, because they're doing another Warhammer preview stream uh, on the eighteenth, I believe. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so just before our next episode, so we'll be able to talk about that <laughs> for you guys then. Um, all right, uh, moving into the other section of our news, uh, we've talked about Games Workshop such shutting down for uh, for the pandemic. Uh, so let's move. Oh, pardon me. Let's move on to something extremely cool. Uh, it's the Scions of the Flame. The missing Warcry Warband has finally been shown. <laughs> they look so good. Holy crap! Yep. They're great. They look amazing. Uh, um, like, I'd say they're probably my favourite looking ones, I would say, actually. I'm that impressed with them. That, or at least one of my favourite looking yeah. ones. I think they're, they've definitely been worth the wait. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're up there with sort of the unmade and the um, the untamed beasts for me, which I think have sort of become my favourites over the last few months. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they are they are incredible. Um, there's a variety of style here, but overall it tends to be... It seems to be more like a, an East Asian style in the weapons and armour. But then there's also just a bunch of dudes on fire. <laughs> like, literally one of your unit choices is a guy with no weapons, covered in fire, just stumbling towards your enemies. It's so good. Holy really crap. Good. Um, yeah. They, they look incredible. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of them used to make redemptionists for Necromunda. We'll see mm-hmm. about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're so good. Um, yeah. And very unique yeah. looking as well, considering mm. that the theme is flames, which could be quite run-of-the-mill they oh, all yeah. look extremely unique uh, i know that's obviously a trait of war cry war bands in general they all look really cool they all look very different mm. but you know when with they've been like so that's what i'm saying i feel they've been worth the wait because of how oh, yes. different each of them looks to each other plus how different they look yes, compared yes. to and it just shows how how the you know how varied chaos followers mm. can be i think they've really mm. shown that with these war bands absolutely yeah and um, there's also the news that though they are the last of the initially planned warbands, they are not the last Warcry-specific warband coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we may see more in the future, whether there'll be more Chaos ones or, like, other random stuff. I want to see my Corn Farmer warband, honestly. Um, I'm never <laughs> going to get over that story from the Warcry anthology. It was so good. <laughs> uh, but we'll see about that. Um, moving swiftly onwards to the Horus Heresy, getting a lot of love recently. Mm. Um 
We've been waiting a long time for this, uh, but he's finally here. Lionel Johnson has awoken from his uh, short six-hour nap aboard his ship uh, during the Horus Heresy, not from his stasis on the rock, unfortunately. <laughs> but he's coming to 30k. He is maybe one of the best Primark models. He's like top three, I think. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's just, a, and he also he's he's a he's a he's a chunky boy as well. He he, he is like, the first you know, I mean, Primark he, to he, look properly thick. Yeah. Like yeah. Power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know when you see when you see it with the you know the double C at the end. You know people mm. describe that. You know the the cool kids say. You know when something's thick, mm. it's like mm. they're talking about Lionel Johnson in thirty k. He oh, is yeah. he is not missing any of his gym days. He's, His he is shin solid. is the size of a marine's torso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is so great. I've seen some people going. He doesn't look dynamic. I'm like, he is standing there swinging a nine foot long chainsword, <laughs> reaping down night lords as they just kind of rush at him while he's holding a position. He doesn't need to look dynamic. His dynamism is he's looking where he's he's looking at what he's chopping at. And he is in at sort of the start of this massive swing. Um, God, he's so good. Super knightly style power armor. Um, a little Mark III as well, like the bands on the legs and things like yeah. that. But yeah. super ornate, super knightly. Um, he comes with a helmet. He comes with a big <laughs> crusading helmet, all with his beautiful bare head. Yeah. I support Primarchs with helmets. Give more yeah. Primarchs helmets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> X, X number of Primarchs have been lost to decapitation where X is one and that's too many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, I was, I was going to say actually talking mm. about the, going back to the dynamic pose thing. Um, yeah. Let's, let's remember some of the Primarchs have been arguably spoilt by their poses, in mm. my opinion. Um, oh, yeah. There's a few of them that are not as good you know, as they could have been mm. from a model perspective in 30k because of their poses. So I'm glad they yeah. kept it normal with him. You mm. know, they haven't done mm. him doing something weird or you know, yeah. at a weird angle. Um, I'm looking no. at you, Lehman, Lehman Russ and Phil oh, God, yeah. Um yeah. where they're doing sort of weird ballerina stuff. Um, it, mm. it, no, this works. This really works. He looks, he yes. looks how he should. He looks stoic. He looks like he means business. His armor is amazing. I mean, yeah. fair play to anyone that paints him because it's going to be oh, hard. God, yeah. uh, like most of the 30k Dark Angel stuff, because uh, of yeah. how intrinsic it is. But no helmet and no helmet. He looks amazing. Uh, yeah. Like you said, he's using a chainsaw that is that's taller than the Marines. He's literally batting away. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, he looks yeah. he looks awesome. Yeah, and he can also be armed, of course, with the lion sword. Uh, his big, big broadsword of a power sword. That's also mm -hmm. cool, but, like, mm -hmm. uh, this is supposedly him during the Siege of Terror, I think? Something like that? Um, or yeah. at some point near that, where, basically, Gilliman's already snapped his nice broadsword in half, so he's back to <laughs> using a chainsword. Um, <laughs> yeah. But they give you the option to use either, which is good, because mm. I, like, I like options on my Primarchs. Uh, Sanguinius being a prime example of that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, God, he looks incredible. Uh, and... Still in the Horus Heresy, uh, just last night we got shown the Wordbearer's Praetors, one in Power Armor, one in Terminator Armor. 
Um, I want to make the comment, it makes a big difference to have them actually painted by the heavy metal team, as opposed to the standard Forge World painters, which apparently is why they look so 40k, but also, these guys look extremely 40k. I love them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they look amazing, both of them. Uh, even, mm. probably, arguably, the, the power armor one, uh, more so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they, they look amazing, you know, like, I mean, look at their, look at their belts. I mean, that's yes. a good, you know, that's a, the sign of a good, Chaos Space Marine is the is how their belts screaming roll. skulls on uh, the belts, yeah, yeah, or or a book, <laughs> you know, or a book. The, mm. it depends how you want to how you want to rock yeah. it. It's yeah, they yeah. both look amazing. They're gonna and and perfect forty k models as well as obviously oh, yeah. um, as they've said in the in the article as well. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, they're the original Chaos Space Marines. They're the ones that were mm. already primed. You know, they were sort of if you think like before. The heresy came along. They were ready. They were dressed to oh, impress yeah. in the heresy. Mm. Like, no, we're already we're already ready. You know, it's you guys that need <laughs> yeah. to play catch up. <laughs> oh yeah, like, imagine looking at this this legion. Their their power armor covered in like carved runic channels. Books strapped to every spare surface. Screaming skulls strapped to every spare spare surface. Ritual scars and like piercings in the shape of horns and stuff all over their mm. faces. And then you look at them and go, yeah, no, these guys are never going to turn. That's fine. <laughs> um, no. They are awesome. They're so mm. good. Um, Very much so. We're, yeah. We'll move on to Middle Earth. Aema uh, mm-hmm. is coming. Aema uh, of Rohan is coming in what looks like a super cool, super versatile plastic kit. Uh, it has him mounted on on foot, as is tradition for Middle Earth heroes. Uh, but also, you know, he can have a spear or he can have a sword and shield and all kinds of different armor. His horse can have not a lot of armor or a lot of armor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, he looks really nice. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, yeah. looks like, looks like Carl Urban doing his best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're also getting Quest of the Ring Bearer, which is sort of like a campaign slash expansion book focusing on Frodo's journey specifically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, got, I think- got him on the cover. <laughs> so I think it, see. yeah, I think it's so you can, they can base, you can recreate you know these missions mm. that and the story mm. of the lord of the rings itself but obviously you know focusing uh, on him as well so mm. yeah, yeah i think again they they, they are cranking cool. out the books for middle earth mm. oh yeah hope they give us a plastic shelob to go along with this cause <laughs> yeah yes, um yeah and we're also getting champions of gondor so you've got a couple of hero models showing off of gondor rangers i believe yeah uh, i think they're ra- yeah. yeah rangers of uh, Ithilien, I think they're called. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, yeah. that's basically what they are. Rangers. Faramir's, Rangers yeah. Faramir's lot. Yeah, they look cool. Um, not much else to say about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're Lord of the Rings models. They look like they're out of the movies. Yeah. Good on them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also got a little tease for the old world. They are keeping their promise and telling us about that as it goes. Uh, and so we got a look at the development of the Ice Guard of Kislev. Uh, Kislev mm. being essentially fantasy Russia, uh, led by the Tsar Osarina, who is uh, a member of a royal family who inherits ice powers. And now we know that the Tsarina is guarded by the Ice Guard of Kislev, who, is, who are an elite unit of warrior women, all with ice magic, and that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. The, the sketch designs look really, really cool. I want to see models, please. It, it's, fu- <laughs> it's funny, actually, the reaction that happened from this, because obviously a lot of people... Um, who are obviously former fancy players sort of got a bit mm. funny about obviously, you know, saying like, oh, these seem a bit AOS. And it's like, yeah, but you got to remember, Wama Fancy was still 
still had craziness in it. Oh yeah. You know, I know I know AOS yeah. has cranked up the craziness and and that such, but you know, Fa- Warhammer Fantasy did have, you know, bonkers oh, yeah. stuff going on as well. Let's mm. not forget Aragorn that. Overlord <laughs> basically existed in Warhammer Fantasy. They just didn't exactly. run the gold, they ran on coal. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the the models from Casual Overlords would be perfect for Makari Makarison or whatever he is from the God mm. Trek series. Um, or Malachi Macarison or whatever his name is. I forget. I haven't read books in a long time. Um, Same. but yeah, no, it, it, it is high fantasy, but Warhammer fantasy, while like a gritty fantasy, did always have those high fantasy elements. Mm. And like, th- this is one of the bits that was never really explored. We never saw a bunch out of Kislev after early, uh, Warhammer fantasy where they would did like the Russian style, uh, infantry and cavalry. And then they just didn't do any models for them after like second or third edition. Mm. Um, yeah, look, this, this is the stuff that's going to make the old world coming back interesting, is seeing that fleshing out of stuff we never saw before, and, yeah, seeing this return to that aesthetic. Because while it is, while this is a fantasy-ass unit, they are a little toned down in terms of at least the aesthetic from the Age of Sigma yeah. stuff. They look a little more, they look a little less insane, shall I say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, they're living in, like, a normal place, not, you know, a world where, you know, the the dirt is infused with the power of death or the power of fire or the power of metal or the power of beasts or whatever, you know. They, they live in they live in a normal-ish world. They just yeah. don't have ice magic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look great. Looking forward to hearing more of that. Um, Definitely. And the most, the most important bit of news, Blood Bowl is getting a plastic tree man kit, mm-hmm. which is so cool. It's, it's, there's a little stumpy ass thing he's got a little squirrel with an acorn <laughs> i love that this squirrel. little spike <laughs> sleeping up in his branches he's so cool uh they tried to put a helmet on it and so it's got a helmet like stuck near the base of one of his branches <laughs> it's cool that squirrel is the best bit of that entire kit though you're right it really <laughs> and i can't wait to see that squirrel turning up on other models oh yeah at some point oh, where people don't use it on the tree man <laughs> find <laughs> another use for it <laughs> Yeah, I'm personally waiting for one of these to, like, show up on a big towering base of rocks and cork and stuff and be like, yeah, here's my Tree Lord Ancient for Sylvaneth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His name is Stumpy. He's just regrowing. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> just been recently potted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, that is really cool. Um, And it's good to see Blood Bowl still being really well supported. Mm, as well. Like, definitely. Um, I feel we say it a lot. Games Workshop is really laying the love into specialist uh, games right now, mm. and it's good. It's so good. That's why I'm, um, I'm hoping um, with the next previews that we may start seeing stuff like Kill Team, because that's sort of gone mm, a little bit yeah. quiet. Not too bad, yeah. obviously. It's still got plenty of stuff you can get for it, but just to keep the momentum going for Kill Team as well as all the others that are getting a lot of love. Mm. So, yeah, fingers crossed yeah. we may see something for that as well. We'll see, yeah. Uh, and that has been the news. There's been a lot, uh, but we managed mm. to get through it for over the entire show. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Thank you, Cameron. Appreciate no it. So, yeah, that's it. Just, you're a natural, sir. A natural. No, thank you. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's been all the news. Um, I think it's time for our, our next little break. Um, and when we return... We're going to talk about the naughty boy of chaos, Bellacore. <laughs> back, back soon. Right. 
Okay, we're back for the main law topic. And as I said earlier, we thought we would do something appropriate for being, you know, a monumental episode, being number 50. We'd do something 40k and AOS. Let's split it down the middle. So, yes, we're going to be talking about the first ever Demon Preets, uh, Bellacourt. Um, so yeah. I shall be talking about the 40k version of him, and Cameron will be talking about the AOS version of him. And like I said, we'll be given, you know, an overview of all the crazy stuff he's been up to, causing trouble and the like. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, hope you in, enjoy it. So I shall kick us off. Let's go for it. Yeah. So as I mentioned, he is the first of the of the demon princes ever known to come into existence. He's known as the, the Dark Master or the First Damned. Lovely titles to have. Uh, he was uh, created by basically by the chaos gods from mortality to be under chaos undivided. Basically, they sort of thought, well, what we'll do is we'll share him. Let's we'll team together, you know, a bit of team bonding, uh, and we'll create our own <laughs> demon prince together. <laughs> so basically, they gave him a bit of each of their powers, as you would expect, high being undivided. Uh, however, this did mean he did become involved in their games. Because obviously, as you'd imagine, and as we know, the Chaos Gods like playing their great game, trying to outdo each other. And obviously him being sort of effectively a neutral Chaos Demon Prince Mm. and having, you know, like I said, a piece of their power. You know, he got involved in their games, whether he liked it or not. So talking about these games, initially he was used for their game. You know, he used their game to to basically gain favour, you know, effectively (laughs) trying to be like a child and the parents, you know, just trying to play them off against each other. That, you know, if in, you know, for that sort of analogy, really, uh, basically making them fight over him. Um, but mm-hmm. he was sort of quite clever, similar to what like we see with like Abbott, you know, with, um, Archaeon in, in, uh, fantasy and, and AOS and, and I suppose Abaddon in, in 40k where he mm-hmm. sort of did it, but without com- fully committing to them, you know, so he played, yeah. you know, play, played the game. So they're mm-hmm. playing a game. He's playing his own game. Uh, but eventually, as you would imagine, they grew tired of him, uh, you know, playing this way of doing things. Um, and they basically realized that they couldn't control him again, a petulant, <laughs> petulant kid of a demon prince. So this eventually led to mono god dem- demon princes being being made they realize that having an undivided one is not the way forward let's create our own versions uh which obviously in turn took away some of his power because it was basically being spread amongst all the other demon princes uh which obviously you know he wouldn't have been happy with but the good thing is to a degree is he's being the first he still remained the most powerful of the demon princes uh and you know basically using his techniques uh from the shadows by the way i'm probably going to say the word shadow or some sort of <laughs> some sort of comparison multiple times because that's sort of the way he works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's using yeah. his techniques from the shadows uh, to basically still doing the bid bidding of all the chaos gods. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Uh, so in battle, he uses the blade of shadows. Say again, um, and into his claws to fight. Uh, basically, the blade of shadows is a an ether type blade that morphs between solid and shadow. Basically, allowing him to cut through armor, flesh, bone, etc., with a lot of ease. Uh, I mean, basically, it changes instantly from shadow mm. to a sword edge whenever he commands it. A lovely little tool to have. Uh, mm. It could be seen as being part of him sometimes, or maybe it could be arguably could have been a, a gift from the Chaos God, as a lot of 40k things, 
Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, he causes panic throughout his enemies by blinking around the battlefield as a shadow, uh, taking great delight in manipulating those you know, with the, this type of technique, uh, and then peering at the right moment and then end up slicing through them with his, you know, his blade of shadows or taking him down with his claws, which exude lots of psychic energy. Uh, hmm. and as, you know, following on from that, and as I'm sort of suggesting, he's a very dangerous being, you know, he's, he's the most powerful yeah. demon prince. He's extremely cruel. He's jealous. He's cunning. You know, that lovely cocktail of uh, of joy mm-hmm. uh, uh you know he's an empire ruling demigod which i'll talk about in a second uh he's hungry for power but he's hindered by his jealousy and obviously his obsession with glory so that's a little intro to him in the 40k universe so i'll go on to his origins and where he came from and again being typical 40k his origins are really unknown uh only coming from rumour, legend, myth and the like, uh, perhaps from the scrawlings on the wall of a crypt on a dead world somewhere, mm. or when a demon has been taken prisoner and they start babbling. So again, this is where it's all been sort of pieced together, but obviously very vaguely. Um, you may find our, you know, archaic statues hidden away underwater, uh, crew drawings on a forgotten world, that sort of thing. Uh, even to the point that the Grey Knights, which obviously is a force that were deliberately designed to destroy demons, only know mm-hmm. so much, and what they do know is quite conflicting information. Uh, with yeah. various scholars of the Imperium going to trying, you know, basically going crazy trying to understand how Bellacor, you know, came to be in the material world. Uh, again, he's busy hiding in the shadows, you know, and as things uh, as new empires come and go. Basically, he's been around a long time. Uh, and talking of empires and races and things like that coming and going uh basically it said that he uh he took great delight in ruling over whole empires the hot you know, and we're talking empires the size of whole sectors you know so he's you know he worked that's why i said he was sort of like a demigod uh ruling whole empires you know and this is like i said many millennia ago to uh to current day 40k so again he's been around a long time um so he's like I said, he's been doing it since the dawn of time and he would basically take over a particular empire. He would bend them to his will, force him for force them to worship him. Um, and then basically the empire would usually start declining because a, because of his wicked ways and B mainly because he ended up abandoning him. So imagine again, that's why I sort of compare him to him a child. It's like getting a toy, you know, playing with it for a bit and then chucking it away. That's basically what yeah. he would do with empires. Um, <laughs> talking about this sort of origins and where he came from and, and sort of the, the vagueness of it, uh, in regards to finding this sort of thing out, the basically tech Magos Kyber of the, of the ad mech, um, made it his sort of basically his li- lifelong mission to piece the history of Bellacor together uh, and he basically did that uh in a i suppose <laughs> in a funny way because i suppose he did what typical admec would do and that's going out finding lo- long lost technology and relics <laughs> and uh, you can imagine yeah. he sort of he, he was like i'm gonna go and find these relics um because that's what i do i'm part of the i'm a tech magos um but don't worry sir i'm doing it for research reasons only i'm doing a thesis <laughs> on bellacor that is why i'm trying to find all this lovely gorgeous technology from the dark age of tech <laughs> um so on this trail he came across things like wing statues made of from the bones of psychers uh, he made he found scrolls made of human skin showing thousands of little tiny figures worshiping a dark winged shape uh, and horn fragments sealed <laughs> away in caskets all these lovely things that you would imagine um 
Beautiful. Uh, and so Kyber believed that these were all linked to an ancient alien overlord that had been ruling for millions of years, you know, in different ways. But guess what? Mm. Bellacor was slim, simply stringing him along all the time, basically leaving him a trail towards a world that he used to rule, uh, so Kyber would find it. Uh, and in turn, Kyber was finding forgotten star systems and planets, which in turn meant that Kyber was basically collecting all these relics to eventually end up with Bellacor and simultaneously erasing evidence of himself. So again, it was all a big plot <laughs> by Bellacor, sort of sending him on this trail yeah. to to find stuff, collect the relics, and then sort of erase it. So there would be no knowledge of him at all. Sneaky, sneaky <laughs> shadows. Um, oh. And guess who else gets involved into Bellacor's origins? Oh. Or, uh, Araman, of course, of the Thousand oh. Suns. He gets in there as well. <laughs> so basically, there's this sort of moment uh, in the past where... Um, he basically ends up binding uh, Bellacor, mm. who in turn thought that he had trapped Araman. Now, basically, the sort of the, the story behind this is that they basically made a deal, uh, which ended up where Bellacor was freed and in return didn't claim the soul of a particular Thousand Sun sorcerer called uh, Siestias, um, if I'm pronouncing yeah. it correctly. Um, basically, this particular sorcerer specialised in demonology, um, and he differed to the other thousand sun sorcerers because traditionally when it comes to binding demons uh into sort of the into the material world what they usually use is they'll link the demon to a physical item such as a tome but what this particular sorcerer used to do is you'd, you you'd basically use mnemonic exercises to basically remember their name then split it up and then for he would by knowing the real name of the demon he could then call it back at any point mm. um so this particular sorcerer made the pact with Bellacor to protect him from demons when he died because he thought, well, I'm busy mucking around with demons. When I die, it's not going to be very nice for me. He does end yeah. up dying. He ends up dying to a flesh hound. And in turn, Bellacor goes, ha ha, I'm coming for your soul now. Araman goes, uh, no, this isn't happening. He gets involved <laughs> um, and then basically ends up with the sorcerer coming back and getting freed from the pact because Araman, yeah. you know kicks ass so that's uh, how Aramon gets involved with Bellacor at one point right okay so that's his origins uh let's move on to sort of things as they go down right so one thing he loves and that's the favor of the chaos gods as i've sort of insinuated before but as yeah. again also i insinuated he will become very jealous and bitter if other champions of chaos get the attention instead of him so basically to deal with this he gets involved in their plots their schemes uh he manipulates their perceived free will and actions uh however what he doesn't know is that he that this is the chaos gods playing their great game against him so he thinks he's getting involved in the champions of chaos's lives but in yeah. th in turn the chaos gods are manipulating him which is again a common theme <laughs> <laughs> so so like yeah. for example when he takes down a nurgle champion this is actually on behalf of zinch and zinch has got involved uh, if he destroys a follower of corn this is slanesh doing the things pulling yeah. the strings behind the scenes so ultimately because he's so blinded by his greed for power and basically trying to look good compared to the other champions it's basically the manipulator being manipulated mm. Yeah. so in the <laughs> so basically in the recent like the more recent timelines um he's been shadowing abaddon uh the mm -hmm. Warmaster, and influencing the events you know from the dark you know and again in the shadows being somehow involved in each of the black crusades that have happened in the past mm -hmm. so basically talking to the black crusades uh for example during the third one 
it's rumoured that he directly helped Abaddon gain aid from the Demon Prince Talamin to attack Cadia. Uh, switching up to the Sixth Crusade, for example, he supposedly told the War Master about Drakarth the Sightless, uh, which in turn led to the Sons of the Eye being destroyed. Now, basically, the Sons of the Eye were basically a splinter group from the Sons of Horus, who ended up uh, allying with Abaddon. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, Abaddon didn't want uh, Drakarth around because they saw he saw him as a bit of an arrival. Um, so obviously with Bellacor whisper in his ear, um, is there's this really great scene where they just won a victory. They're celebrating, you know, things that, you know, arms in the air. And then basically Abaddon turns around and basically kills Drake Hearth with his power claw. <laughs> <laughs> and then that in turn means that the sons of the eye ended up joining the black legion. So yeah, like I said, he's a, he's a trickster. He's getting involved in things. Um, he's very, he's very zinchin really, even though he's, undivided yeah. he's very ancient um so basically these actions look to have obviously you know in the past looked to have benefited abaddon from the outset um but obviously with the motives of bellacor this could be seen in another way again going mm. back to that demon prince talamin uh he cost the lives of multiple black legion waterbands um and obviously drake talking about Drakearth, uh he could have become a powerful ally so even though it looks like it was helping abaddon you could look at it the other way that that they could have benefited him even more if yeah you know in other ways it depends way which way you look at it um but again as i'm insinuating it's all you know with all the smoke and mirrors is he working for or against the chaos gods it's debatable unsure really to say what but uh you know leading up to even more recent um times obviously the 13th crusade um clearly it has benefited abaddon uh with belcor mm. basically standing by him in the shadows um and he got even closer to the war master in the sense that he actually become he actually joined the inner circle of abaddon in oh, the 13th crusade because wow. um, basically he did that by convincing abaddon he was the herald of the chaos gods uh, but mm. obviously as you'd imagine belcor had his own agenda obviously looking for the glory <laughs> of himself so yeah um i'll finish with the 13th black crusade and obviously most recent times with bellacor so at the start of the 13th crusade bellacor basically teamed up with the warsmith uh sean two of the iron warriors to basically attack terror and in turn take away the glory of abaddon so they sort of you know yeah. Uh, sneaky sneaky with each other uh, to uh, sort of uh, you know absurd him so they got onto basically they did this by getting onto the Imperial Fist flagship the Phalanx as a lot of people know about uh, they used, basically used a warp rift to basically in turn commandeer uh, mm-hmm. and the plan was obviously get hold of the Phalanx commandeer it and then basically bombard Terra from you know from, from yeah. that basically Um. But it didn't obviously go according to plan. The Imperial Fist defended against this attack using the Third Company. <laughs> and who who runs the Third Company? Only oh, the I best of all captains. Only Tor Garadon. Yeah. Oh, ah! yes. <laughs> Our boy's in this as well. Oh, so, my God. Uh, <laughs> so basically, he helped defend, you know, in this particular battle, which was known as the Battle of the Phalanx. Um, basically, for context, you know, we're talking about Garadon. He was... Mm the part of the second company but he basically went off uh he left the se- sorry he left the second company to for- start forming the third company because basically mm. in 
the uh the on the planet of hydra cordotus or cordotus i should say um basically they were down to like one man left one marine left because wow. uh, they basically had a, uh, a big fight with the iron warriors so obviously they had basically no third company f- anymore so garadon said, right well okay i'll step up and i will you know i'll lead the third mm. company and we'll get it back up and running um yeah. so you know with this particular battle of the phalanx um this defense and delay you know, tactic, which they did, because obviously they had to try and do something, uh, basically allowed the engines to be fired up and obviously in turn allowed to get the phalanx away from Terra. But basically they had to use the warp to get away, uh, including yeah. basically blasting off infected parts of the phalanx. Basically they lost 10% of mass of the ship wow. by just blasting yeah. it away to, go, to get away. Um, obviously <laughs> they entered the warp. Uh, the forces ended up fighting each other, as you imagine, as they were unable to contact anyone outside of the immaterium you know so they're basically fighting in sort of isolation uh so obviously garadon and the imperial fist made you know what was ended up being a basically a last stand they rallied under the banner of uh, staganda basically the the origin of that is staganda used to be a planet where the imperial fist fought the orcs back in m34 uh with mm-hmm. the third company doing most of the fighting hence why it's a, a relic of the third company uh yeah. to do a final stand and guess who turns up cameron only the Legion of the Damned. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, yes. They get involved in the hour wow. of need. So in turn, this obviously causes... This, they end up launching a counterattack. Obviously causes the Imperial Fist to rally. Uh, and basically they seize control back of the Phalanx from, you know, from Bellacor and, and the demons that were uh, basically on it. And they basically made their way back to defend Cadia. And obviously in turn ended up wounding the Will of Eternity, which is the one of the Blackstone Fortresses. Uh, ultimately, as we all know, Cadia end up fall, end up you know falling as a planet, but the Phalanx still managed to help you know with survivors and such like. So that was the uh, the thirteenth Black Crusade, and to real modern day, i.e. the Great Rift, um, Bellicor has basically been seen helping demon legions of all the gods, uh, also some of the Renegade chapters as well as sort of the Black Legion. Uh, ultimately he's got lots of demon fingers in lots of <laughs> chaotic pies at the yes. moment yeah. uh so you know at the moment we'll see what he's plotting because that's mm. as of yet what he's been up to so yeah, yeah he's like I said he's you know I'll, I'll repeat again he's from the shadows he's manipulating mm-hmm. but you know he can put up a good fight as well when the situation mm. Uh, dictates it but ultimately he's just trying to look good <laughs> so uh, so yeah that's a summary of him in 40k awesome well uh, I'll take uh, Age of Sigma this is more going to be uh, leaning towards Warhammer Fantasy honestly because mm-hmm. yeah. to understand the origins of Bellacor in Age of Sigma you must understand his entire Warhammer Fantasy battle history um, also because it's not a lot of there's not a ton of stuff he's been directly implicated in doing in Age of Sigma yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's working from the shadows, and therefore there's not a ton of info about him there. Um, so he has a lot of titles uh, in Fantasy and Age of Sigma as well. He's known as the First Damned, the Harbinger, the One Who Heralds Conquerors, the Foretoken and the Bearer, all these kinds of titles is, is his kind of shtick. Um, and so we'll start with Warhammer Fantasy. At the dawn of time, he was blessed by all the Chaos Gods and risen as the first Demon Prince uh, in general, but also the first Demon Prince of Chaos Undivided, obviously. Uh, And this was before the Elves uh, began fighting directly against Chaos. Uh, He actually ruled the Warhammer Fantasy world pretty much entirely uh, by commanding just hordes of demons in the name of Chaos. Um, 
So for um, for context here, uh, the Warhammer Fantasy world essentially existed because the elves created something called the Great Vortex, which which siphoned magic and chaotic energy away from most of the world to this one point. And up until they did that, demons were everywhere all the time. Chaos was in charge of everything. It's it's a lot like the Age of Chaos in Age of Sigma. Um, it was just a rough time for everyone involved. Uh, and so Bellicor was in charge of all that because he was really the only champion of the Chaos Gods at the time. Um, and, you know, he was the absolute rule of the world. He was looking down on mortals with disdain. Um, and eventually this led to his downfall. He got too big for his boots. He started trying to up himself to the level of the Chaos Gods, and Zinch took it upon himself to curse him, strip him of his power, and undo his ability to take physical form, uh, which is pretty rough. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and he was, of course, forced into subservience and became known as the Harbinger. So basically throughout the entire timeline of Warhammer Fantasy Battle past his initial ruling period, Bellicor's role was to essentially be the final step in becoming the ever-chosen. His job was to perform the coronation uh, and place the crown of domination, which is this ancient battle helmet, upon the ever-chosen's head when they were uh, finally recognized by all of the gods by going through all their trials. Um, and, of course, Bellicor would never be allowed to wear it himself. He's never going to be as important as he used to be. This This is a tragedy of the highest order. He's been... He's been named, he's been shamed, he's been heavily demoted from literally the first amongst demons to, oh yeah, so you got to crown the mortals whenever they show up every thousand years or so, so, and, you know, you have to do whatever they say, etc., etc. Um, and so there's there's been a few ever chosen, uh, which again, people might, might be surprised to know, everyone thinks it's mm. Archeon, of course, uh, but there were several before him, uh, and yeah, it... it it's not a once the ever chosen comes along the world is doomed. It's more once the ever chosen comes along, chaos does its best to doom the world, uh, and Archeon was the one that made it all the way. Uh, so the very first ever chosen was known as Morkar the Uniter. Uh, he rose a great army and, with the blessings of the chaos gods, was given the task of making the world into a permanent beacon of chaos. Um, Bellicor. Uh, realize, I guess this is the point where he really realized the Chaos Gods weren't going to say, ah, just joking, you're still in charge, we love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he went utterly insane. Like, he, he became literally blind to all the, uh, all the stuff Morkar had done. Um, he hated him absolutely, refused to support him properly. Uh, and then Sigma came along, fought Morkar, and, it was a battle between gods. Morka was incredibly powerful. Sigma was incredibly powerful. Uh, but in the end, Sigma struck him down and became the first emperor of the United Human Tribes, beginning the Warhammer Fantasy Battle universe, as most people know it. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's, that was the beginning. So that was way back when. This is like a thousand years before quote-unquote contemporary Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and Bellicor really disliked this thing. He'd been through being forced to crown a human uh, as the eternal ruler of chaos once before and really didn't like it so he decided he would kind of skip out on the next one <laughs> um <laughs> so um and because of this uh because he's a tricksy guy he's got shadow powers still even though he's lost a lot of his power and importance he doesn't have a physical body which is actually useful when you're trying to get out of work it turns out <laughs> um so the next warlord favored to become ever chosen many hundreds of years later was Cardoon the Gloried, 
Uh, and when when good old Cardoon came to this blighted city of Mordheim, uh, Bellicor used the power of Warpstone there to possess him, uh, took over his body, and became the being known as the Shadow Lord. Um, but, obviously, just as planned. As always, the gods are tricking him as much as he believes he's tricking mortals. Uh, this was just as planned because Cardoon's body was not strong enough or perhaps not capable of essentially going through the gauntlet to get the final piece of being the Everchosen, which is the crown of domination. Uh, so he, he had essentially possessed someone who physically could not become Everchosen because, like, this guy's going to be the next Everchosen. Yeah, I don't have to crown him <laughs> if I am him. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, and then figured out his body was trapped in Mordheim and he was trapped in his body. Uh, and, you know, he was only trapped there for so long. Essentially... He got, he got so mad at this, his insanity boiled over and destroyed the physical body he was possessing, which forced him back into the <laughs> temple to guard the, uh, guard the crown of domination once more. Uh, he's, he's had a, he's had a rough time. Um, hundreds of years after that, Asavar Kul, the anointed, became the next ever chosen. Uh, and, you know, again, poor old Bellicor, forced to crown him, forced to watch him go off and do all the important chaos stuff without him. Um, chaos stuff. Poor, yeah, I'm going mean, to say that when I'm at home. I'm going to say, "Sorry, I'm busy. I'm doing important <laughs> chaos doing stuff." Important chaos stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on my door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Belcor, this was not the end of his ch- servitude because Asavar Cool was not the the ever chosen. Uh, he rode out at the head of a big chaos horde, and then Magnus the Pious uh, came along, along with um, our Ulrich Kristov, one of the um, Kislevites, I believe, and High King Alrikson of the Dwarves, uh, defeated, uh, defeated them at Kislev. Uh, Magnus and Asavar Kul met in single combat, and again, that particular Everchosen was struck down. He's just not so good at this. Uh, Bellicor was watching all this and was really, really mad about this. Not only because he's, every time an Everchosen is slain, it means his job as like this slave in this temple is extended by another few hundred years, but because he knows he knows he could do better. He knows that if instead of Morkar, the Uniter, it was him who first fought Sigma, he would have killed Sigma in an instant, millennia ago. And <laughs> that would never have needed all these different Everchosens, but he's stuck here watching all this nonsense happen, and he hates it. He hates it, he hates it, he hates it. Uh, and then hundreds of years after that, Bellicor was subject to another Everchosen, but this one was Archeon. Um... Yeah, essentially at this point, um, Bellicor had uh, kind of gotten really tired of this whole system, honestly. He's had enough. He's he's seen like four or five iterations. He knows it doesn't work. He knows he should be in charge. Uh, so while Archeon is running around getting all the other relics uh, required to become the Everchosen, uh, Bellicor himself uh, is running around in his guise as the Dark Master, trying to gather enough power to give himself a physical body and actually pick up the Crown of Domination and run off with it, essentially. Um, so he uh, he found the magical island of Albion and essentially, you know, tried to take it for his own, because if he, if he conquered that island, he'd get enough power from the magic there to build himself a new body, get the crown of domination, put it on, beat the hell out of Archeon, become the the ever chosen, um, and he'd win the day. Hooray, Bellicor, most favorite <laughs> of the Chaos Gods again. Uh, however, his plans all fell apart once again. Um, again, the Chaos Gods are constantly messing with him, making sure he can't actually do what he wants, and was once again for the 
fifth time, I think, fourth or fifth time, was forced to perform this dark coronation, descending (laughs) like a dark angel, kneeling before Archeon, and once again relegated to the sidelines for the next Great Chaos War. Um, And, you know, as Archeon leads his hordes over the the entire world, essentially, um, he follows in his wake, because he's not allowed to take part in the astral battle, he's not cool enough to fight side by side with the Ever Chosen, he's just some dumb servant demon, uh, from <laughs> Archeon's viewpoint at least, um, took Volkmar, uh, an important, uh, essentially the Grand Theogenist, the head priest of the Empire at the time, had been slain in, in one of these battles, uh, so Belakor took his body and actually, uh, returned him to life, just to chain him to Belakor's banner and parade him around screaming, because <laughs> he's really really unhappy with all this, and he really wants to show off how annoyed he is. Um, <laughs> and as magic, sort of, as this, as the storm of chaos and the end times began to gather together, this uh, this increase in the strength of magic uh, meant that uh, Bellicor was getting stronger. He was able to summon more demons uh, and, fought, and made an unholy army of demons, carrying the head priest, essentially the Pope of the Empire, on a banner in front of the entire army. Um, he's, he's, he's doing pretty good there. Um, but was, uh, unfortunately, uh, Leon Leonker, High King of Bretonia, uh, defeated him at that battle. Uh, because <laughs> of course, he's just not having a great time. Bellicor, Bellicor can never succeed, unfortunately. Uh, this, this went on a long time, you know, he was, he was at a battle where Karl Franz and Volton attempted to kill Archeon. And Bellicor's demonic hordes nearly crushed the Imperial army right until Teclis showed up with a bunch of swordmasters and banished Bellicor straight back to the realm of chaos. He's 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 had a lot. He's had a lot of issues. <laughs> essentially, he's like, I'm the absolute best, and then some puny model shows up and seems just like, yes, this puny model is actually better than you. We'll show you how. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and then, then he went for, he, he, he essentially keeps going for bigger and bigger and bigger plays once Archeon becomes ever chosen. He's attempting to outdo Archeon and show that, no, I should be in charge. So at one point, he infiltrates Athel Lauren, which is the forest that, uh, the wood elves live in, and attempts to murder the Lady of the Lake, uh, who is the elven goddess Lilia. But was ultimately unsuccessful, of course. Um, dueling, uh, dueling a Bretonian Grail Knight, Gerard of Asareux. Uh, and when he was wounded, he had to flee because everyone's out to get Bellicor because no one wants him to succeed. Um, and then he was captured, <laughs> brought before a council of, uh, the incarnates, which were people possessed by the winds of magic back during the end times. Again, whole thing. Uh, he tried, he, he basically escaped from captivity there, tried to kill them all, got banished back to chaos for his trouble, um, and then went on to eventually, I believe, be sealed away and float through to the mortal realms one day. Eventually. <laughs> he, he had a real rough journey all throughout Warhammer Fantasy Battle is what I'm saying. He's probably really <laughs> glad to be in the Age of Sigma universe now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Um so now we turn over to Age of Sigma where no one knows any of that. Everyone knows Bellicor was once the first favorite of the Chaos Gods. Everyone knows he used to be super duper incredibly important and powerful um up until other demon princes started being made and the Chaos Gods started saying Bellicor, you're not so cool. Stop being <laughs> a really annoying dude. Uh and they cast him down forever to dwell literally in shadow. Um and you know, uh, 
he he is still affected by all that. He still doesn't have a proper physical form. He's still not really favored by the gods anymore. But that doesn't stop him being one of the most ancient evils of the mortal realms. Uh, his form is insubstantial as morning mist. He manipulates fates with wicked intellect over and timeless cruelty. And most importantly, he has his own demonic host permanently now, which is the Legion of the First Prince. Mm. And is comprised entirely of the lesser demons from other chaos gods. Well, from the Chaos Gods, I should say. So, you know, he commands horrors and bloodletters and demonettes and plague bearers and all the other essentially not greater demons of the other Chaos Gods. Um, and for the most part, the Dark Gods leave him alone at this point. Like, he's done his <laughs> job. Archeon's still ever chosen and he's the actual proper ever chosen. Like, he's shown he's in charge. They don't need Bellacor anymore. They're done messing with him too much. Um, so, but, you know, the, he, he had a lot going on. It's been rumored that he actually ruled Ulgu for a while before Malarion right. came back. Um, but he's mostly just bitter about the whole chaos thing. Like, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> who wouldn't be? Um, at the moment, he has a very uneasy relationship with Archeon. Uh, it remains very ambitious, especially because Archeon is pretty disdainful of the Dark Gods. Honestly, he has their support, but he doesn't have any of their individual support because he doesn't want them to control him. Uh, and Bellacor is currently trying to manipulate that, essentially. He wants he wants to do something to force Archeon to, you know, perform an act where all the Chaos Gods go, oh, he really does want to get rid of us, or, oh, Archeon's really not worth looking at anymore. It, he's... That, that's what he's doing. He's trying to claw his way back up the ladder. He's been trying for thousands and thousands and thousands <laughs> and thousands of years. It's just never worked for him. I feel really bad for him because he's incredibly cool. And I feel in 40k he does a bit better because in 40k he, he's had these multiple, multiple millennia spanning empires going on and everything. But then you come to fantasy and it's like everyone takes a turn kicking Bellacor kicking around. Yeah. Just, oh, it's that time of the week, isn't it? Bellacor's trying to rise up against the new Everchosen. Not nah, just kick him down the line. Eh, get out of here. Yeah. Remember your job. Go to your desk. <laughs> it's funny, actually, how you see the sort of the, the similarities, but yet yeah, the differences between the two mm. universes in regard to him. Like I said, you've got. The, the common thing is that obviously he's chaos undivided. He's ambitious. You know, he's always try mm. like he's obviously been then obviously had involvement with Archaon. And then obviously in 40 K he's had, uh, you know, involvement with Abaddon who, you know, arguably mm. have, you know, have their own similarities as well on behalf of chaos. But then like you just said, 40 K. Okay. You know, he's still struggling, but he's still there. He's still, yeah. you know, he's still lingering. He's still having his impact. Scary. Whereas like, whereas in like <laughs> fantasy, yeah, he's just getting kicked up the ass basically most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. It, yeah. It's because it's, it's like, I feel, I feel if the quote unquote, the ever chosen was more of a, proper position in 40k that any aspiring mortal champion could potentially rise to fulfill he might be in more of the same situation but because 40k is so much bigger and because chaos is actually a decent bit more nebulous in 40k it's more of this force as well as the gods specifically messing around and everything you can have people like horus and abaddon as the primary champion of chaos Mm. But you don't have to tie like this one. You don't have a situation where this one jobs, this one guy's job is to wait a thousand years for the next mortal champion to come along and take <laughs> this crown. Yeah. Uh, whereas in fantasy, the world's a bit smaller, the gods are more directly involved, and so you get things like Bellicor was punished for his hubris. He has to wait a thousand years for the next champion to come along and then crown him, and then that's all he gets to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he occasionally gets out of there to go join one of the armies for a bit, but every 
every time he's forced back to his day job of guarding this helmet. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing as well is we'll, we'll probably mention him again, like because obviously, mm. hopefully soon we'll be covering Wrath of the Ever Chosen as well. And mm. obviously, like yeah. I said, he's part of that. Ends what you're saying about obviously Legion of the First Prince as well. So yeah, mm. yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad they've sort of included him back in AOS and have some sort of capacity rather than sort of just letting yeah. him sort of linger. At least now you've got to justify him from a law perspective and also, you know, from a tabletop mm. perspective as well. So yeah, yeah. No, he, I, he's a cool character. I like him. I like, oh, he, I know he's got, he's, he's, he's a bit tropey at times, obviously with his sort <laughs> of, you know, his uh, scheming and from the shadows mm. and stuff. But, mm. uh, but you like I said, if he's you look cool. at the different universes, yeah, he's cool mm. and he's got, you know, su- success and failures in different mm. ways in both as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, he's also got a kick-ass model, even if it's he a does. tiny bit small. That, that yes. he is, he is like the epitome of Demon Prince on mm. like in terms of like modeled up for me. Like he looks so yeah. good. Yeah, he's that he's that sort of nice, sort of simple, but looks mm. cool. You know, mm. like you said, he's not over the top, especially compared to some of the other greater demons. But he just well, Demon Prince is, mm. and he's but yeah, he just looks. Yeah, looks badass. Yeah. And like I said, his model still looks really cool, even though obviously it's been around yeah. a while now. So, cool. Right. He'll be back in charge. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> AOS 3. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Bellacor Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, water, Matthew. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I can't see you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I guess that's fair. <laughs> cool. Oh, my God. Well, that's been the, the main law topic of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, what we'll do now is, because like I said, because the discussion topic is going to be a pre-recorded thing, which we're recording later today of this recording being the the 5th of April, um, which won't affect you guys listening. Um, We'll wrap up the episode now. um, But obviously remember after the, you know, after the little music or little uh, jingle, carry on listening because it will go straight (laughs) into our chat with, uh, with Colin at uh, Mm. cold open stories. So, um, so cool. Um, Right. So on that, where can people find you on the internet, Cameron? You can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come see me post pictures of my cat and food I'm cooking and pizza date nights, watching Deadpool and, and anything not involving the outside world. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, you can also find me on Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin, uh, where I post primarily my uh, hobby progress uh, as and when it comes. Uh, I don't always post stuff there first and I don't always remember to post it there, but it is there. Um, <laughs> so feel free to, feel free to check there if you want to just see the photos, none of the faff of any other stuff I'm posting about. Um, and yeah, uh, where can we find uh, yourself, Matthew? Ah, oh, you can find me on that Twitter that I hear is a thing. Uh, you can find me at Ninja Badger 7 myself and you can find this podcast on there at Realm and Ruin, which is obviously our main way of conversing with the outside world apart from this recording. Um, mm. so yeah, come check us out on there and like I will reiterate, you know, come along and join our Discord server. It's really friendly. And like I said, it's crazy times at the moment and you may be wanting other people to chat to come along you know you're more than welcome and and such so cool okay well i said that'll be the end of us for this episode uh well sort of Mm um apart from what's going to follow on so i said carry on listening after this uh, and hope you enjoy 
that side of things as well, because it'll be hopefully be a really cool chat. Um, and yeah, as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Stay safe out there. Bye. Mm. Bye bye. Hello, everyone. We have the pleasure to be joined by a guy who likes his tales chilled and free. It's uh, Colin from Cold Open Stories. How are you doing, sir? That That is a fantastic introduction. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's that's okay. I've been working on it all day. Luckily, we recorded this morning. <laughs> it's now about five, six hours later. I've had that amount of time to come up with that one sentence. So it's obviously paid off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, nice for you to, of you to come and join us, Colin. It's very much appreciated. So would you tell the people listening who you are and tell us what Cold Open Stories is? Sure. So, well, uh, my name is Colin DeGraff. I'm the founder and creative director of Cold Open Stories. Um, what would interest your listeners is that we are currently running a Warhammer 40,000 well, campaign. Uh, it's all over our, our, our short fiction and audio dramas. Uh, we decided that uh, we would focus on this uh, this universe as kind of our, our, our starting point before uh, reaching out into other genres. But what Cold Open Stories is is a it's a love letter to short fiction, weird fiction, pulps, uh, fandoms that have the power to throw us into new worlds and encourage us to reflect on our culture, what stories we like. And Cold Open Stories, simply put, is a collection of uh, short stories submitted by uh, fans of the community, as well as audio dramas, which are completely produced by our team. And it's all available for free. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the short elevator pitch version of what we do. <laughs> cool, cool. Mm. So, like, so when did it actually come about? Like, when, like, you know, what's your? Well, actually, before we answer that, what's your sort of context with your background with Warhammer, particularly? as a person sure. like where well, where did that um, come from when i was um when i was in uh was junior high or high school uh there was a uh, girl that i knew a good friend of mine and her boyfriend played warhammer and so i went to a gaming shop with them and there he had orcs and they had some space marines set up and uh he said you know i'll teach you how to play and then he absolutely <laughs> decimated me didn't even make it a friendly game he just completely <laughs> walloped me and uh you know that was my introduction to 40k then fast forward Forward, you know, uh, more than a decade, and um, yeah, what I uh, what I did was I saw the launch of Eighth Edition, and I saw the the it was the release of Belisarius Call, mm. uh, Celestine, and Inquisitor Greyfax, and I'm like that just unholy unity of faith <laughs> and zealotry and transhumanism really interested me, and so I picked up the box, started uh, getting into the lore, and then around June of 2019, uh, we. Uh, released or it was april we started but we released uh, our first audio drama the echo of satellite 66b and uh that was just the you know the origin story of all of this mm. Mm. excellent do you i mean did you did you feel it sort of sort of snowballed from there you know did it was it like wow i really we really get onto something here oh absolutely i mean t- to my knowledge there was not a uh, community theater uh, component for Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> and I know that some people will post their, their stories on Reddit or there's some other different writing communities, but there wasn't <laughs> anything that I could find. And that could also be to my own, you know, uh, discredit, but there was nothing I could find that was a kind of a, a all encompassing encapsulation of all of these things in one place, you know, aggregated. So mm-hmm. that's where the, uh, the audio dramas came from. And, um, 
it was just this idea to say, let's create something new. Let's get people involved. And yeah, the, the results of each of the audio dramas one by one has, has grown exponentially. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think that's actually a fair point, actually, what you're saying about there not being a place for this sort of thing. Cause, cause I think as we've sort of alluded to on, on our show is that there's, you know, obviously many, many ways you can enjoy Warhammer in so, you know, mm. from when it, from yeah. the tabletop to video games to the books to the painting, however you want, there's something for everyone pretty much within reason. And I think, for a lot of us, you know, especially us who we're really into the law, that's, you know, arguably our main thing of the, of the reason why we did our show. It, and I suppose, we, you know, there's probably a lot of us out there that think, oh, I could do something like this. I could write something or, I, you know, or do it already. They sort of write and, and enjoy it for, because it's, a, you know, it's how they can contribute to the hobby. But, but I suppose it's like everything. When you create something, you almost, you, you, part of you wants it out there a bit, isn't it? You want it in a situation where people can either mm-hmm. listen to it or read it or whatever. I mean, I know obviously that's difficult as well because, you know, you may be uh, a bit self-conscious of it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, you know, at the moment, uh, apart from things like uh, cold open stories, I suppose you're reliant on the black library submission windows, which are obviously very cutthroat naturally, because obviously mm. there's going to be lots of entries and then mm-hmm. um, obviously they have to pick only so many. So yeah, I suppose this is, a th- you know, a, uh, you know, you, you are almost filling a gap, I would say. Well, it's it's yeah. also to try to reduce the the idea that this you know that there's some ivory tower that people can't participate. Everyone wants to, <laughs> you know, participate in their love of 40k. Whether it's painting models, mm. reading the lore, some people want to write. Some people would like, hey, it's kind of cool. I'd love to do some voice acting for that. That'd be fantastic. And so that's where we encourage people to to get involved. And I, it's just very interesting that. You know, fan fiction gets a, a bad rap. You know, it's yeah. when we think of it, we think of this lesser than it's slash fiction. It's, you know, I'm going to make it, it's a, a love story to Yvrain and uh, Gilliman, right? You know, <laughs> people are gonna go, all right, I'll love it. <laughs> it's the modern day Mills and Boone, I think, isn't it? Mm. Right. But so what we do is we, we try to say, well, you know, there is still gems in storytelling. And some of the short mm. fiction submissions we had, we, we actually do have a Black Library author uh, hidden amongst mm. the uh, the group. And <laughs> I would just encourage people, you know, that there's there's really good writing in there. And the audio dramas, mm. we hold ourselves to a very high broadcast standard. And one of the compliments we've received from a lot of people is just, you know, this is better than Black Library and it's free. Now, <laughs> that's a very nice compliment. Yeah. But we just want to be able to tell good stories. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's potentially win, 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 depending on how many, where you want to look at it. I suppose, like I said, this, but you know, you're getting obviously lovely compliments like that. People are able to exercise their creative flair, which they may not get opportunities elsewhere. And then the people that, uh, aren't really into the creative side, but are more into the listening side, like you said, they're getting free content that they can thoroughly enjoy really. And right. Like, Oh my God, it's free. Whatever will I do? It's, you know, we're all we're, at, the, at the time of recording, as many of us are all locked up. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. So we, yeah. there's other ways to, to engage with the hobby. Exactly. Cool. Okay. Um, so what, you know, out of all the things you've produced so far, what's the, what do you think has been your favorite? You bastard. Um, <laughs> what's your, who's your favorite child? Come on. Yeah. Right. Like, um, <laughs> I, I, I will argue this that that every everything we've done has had a different value, and everything I, I love everything that we've done. 
But if I was to say, you know, what sort of impact they've made on me, you know, the Echo of Satellite 66B was our first audio drama. That as a proof of concept was was humbling. It was awe-inspiring, eye-opening. Um, March for Mars, we did an experiment where we tried to remove narrator, uh, or sorry, remove the voiceover of a narrator and just tell this kind of action-packed story. Mm. When we got to When All Lights Have Gone Out, which is our Sororitas story, uh, we were nominated for two Audioverse Awards for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress, which was, you know, we're more than 40K. Uh, you know, people mm. go, oh, fandom, you're, it's not original. But the fact that they actually had bent the rules to allow us to to be submitted really meant a lot to the quality of that story and then mm. we had our first um multi-episode series which was a cog in crimson which was our adeptus mechanicus tale and we, with each one we've seen a huge spike in the amount of auditions um you know we started with seven and now we're at uh over 440 for our gene oh, wow. story however small however <laughs> hidden uh, now, if that's just in the audio dramas, if we look at short fiction, um, you know, we we had uh, several dozen stories submitted, and we had to narrow it down. We we had an internal choice to narrow it down to nine. Mm. That way, we could focus on on the quality of content. Now, we had Matt Smith write the Voice in the Void. Uh, he's a, oh, yeah. a, a formerly published Black Library author. We mm-hmm. also had um, stories by Matthew Stewart, Troy Sterling Nyes, uh, Luke. Uh, we had Carl Aldred, who had a lot of people talking about his story uh, because it involves the. Uh, the Vitae wombs for the death corpse of Krieg and mm. is incredibly uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Summerbell wrote an incredible story, um, New Moon, which kind of is a encapsulation of the, whoop, the medieval um, context of 40K. And that mm. what we had chosen, uh, the short stories was one was going to be adapted into an audio drama. And we want to do this for each anthology. If of the nine stories, one will get that audio drama treatment. And for mm. winter 2020, mm. New Moon was the selection. But we're already looking for stories for spring 2020. And the deadline for that is uh, is in June. So hopefully mm-hmm. we get another swell of incredibly well-told stories uh, exploring different <laughs> parts of, uh, of 40K. Awesome. That is amazing. When you, put, when you put the numbers and the context to it. I mean, I think as well is that it comes across the from what you've said and obviously what we see there out you know especially on twitter and and other places that there is like what i always see is like a layer of people that that are just like they just need that chance just to break through um like for example you mentioned uh daniel somerbell i um have one of his novels that he sent to me uh one of his aos but not aos you know unofficial aos mm. novel <laughs> that he did and um, his stuff is fantastic. I, you know, I've, I've, you know, he, he's just one of us. He's just a guy that is obviously enjoys writing and obviously he's not, you know, done, he's, you know, tried for Black Library and things like that. And, you know, and I think, well, to be honest, you you know, from what I've read of your stuff so far, you're on par with Black Library authors and, and it, obviously it's, you know, as we all know, it's the small breaks that, you know, is whether you get that chance or not, as again, as the, the Black Library submissions show, you know, that, um, you know, they're, they're still going through them at the moment from the last uh, window. Um, some of us are still I, I appreciate you, you saying, though, that, you know, that, we, that we're that stepping stone to help get people to, mm. to the level of Black Library, because that's obviously where we'd like to be. It's where, you know, someone can yeah. have their story read and they can get known in the 40K community for this. It's still a very wild thing to even assume that we have any degree of power for that. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep looking at the, the number of auditions and the, all the stories and then the quality of the stories and who's participating, who's writing them. And hmm. I'm just kind of like, 
holy crap, you know, like with great power comes great responsibility, you know, (laughs) but, but I think it's just a testament to fans want to engage in their hobby and Warhammer can be more than, you know, games. It can be more than painting. It can be the arts. It can be acting. We've seen this, uh, this week, the release of part five of Astartes and what you can Mm. do with fan animation, like the community is hungry and they want these opportunities to participate in the hobby that they love, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And we're just happy to provide an outlet for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's, it feels like it's reflective of, well, I don't say our generation, cause I'll say that can mean a lot <laughs> to different people, but I think we're in an, an age now, I'd say where it's, it is easier to, to, well, it's easier to show off what you can do. Obviously, there's lots of channels. There's people, you know, like I said, there's there's writers, there's artists, there's you know painters out there. But obviously, the sort of flip side of that, or the double edged side of that, is that obviously you can get lost in a very big crowd because there's lots of people that are showing off what they can do, and that's the obviously the reality. And obviously, can be quite a shame because obviously there's probably lots of people out there that are creating fantastic stuff that unfortunately aren't getting noticed and may never get noticed, but I said, I think with cold open stories and what you're achieving, it feels like that, okay, you know, these people may never get to black library. They may not go to, to a certain path, but they've still created something that people can thoroughly enjoy. And, you know, and I think as, you know, as, and I think Cameron would agree with me as, you know, as, as podcasters, we, you know, we, you know, you sort of, you, you're creating something in the hope that someone, that people get enjoyment out of it in something, mm. some inspiration, whatever, in whatever capacity. It could be something that they listen to whilst they're doing their painting. It could be that they learn some new law that they didn't know before, or, you know, it, it's difficult, isn't it really? But I mean, what do you sort of, what do you hope people are gaining out of what you're creating when they listen to it? I mean, the, one of the, the biggest things that i've received has been people you know messaging me saying you know i was driving home in the rain when i listened to when all lights have gone out the sorority story which starts with uh, sisters marching through the rain and they're like i was just sucked into that world i was just immediately there and that's <laughs> mm. when like that's what i want is i want people to be able to find that entertainment value to be transported to another place for a little while um it's the same values upon which we chose the short stories that are part of this uh the winter 2020 anthology is to be like let's transport you into 40k whether that's for a few minutes a few hours whether it's while you paint or whether you're on your commute yeah yeah that's that's no that's that's admirable and uh, i think the it, you know, it, hopefully it's one of those things where you'll, you know, and it, well, already you are, you're starting to see the, you know, the, the rewards of what you're, you know, you're trying to achieve. And I think that, you know, you should be proud of what you've done so far. And, you know, it, there's a lot of people out there that want to do more. And I, I can just, you know, you just shown it with, you know, the numbers you mentioned regarding the auditions. And I, I can just see that number escalating. And, and it's funny actually, because I think that, it just shows the sort of the way that our community is that like, I don't know if it's the same for you, Cameron, but there's people that, you know, you mention. I'm like, Oh, I've heard of them or I know them, you know, and they're <laughs> not some big black library. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, it's like when you mentioned like people like Stephen Rhodes and like, we know Stephen mm. Rhodes. He's yeah. one of our friends. Yeah. You know, and friends and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, and obviously, you know, yourself, Cameron, you've, Mm. I believe have tried to get involved and such like, yeah. or am, 
Oh, that's well, true, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't I didn't manage to get an audition in this time, but I'm looking forward ah. to the next run. Unfortunately, I yeah. ran out of time. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look but, for the next one. Thinking of stories to write, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. See, I, I on that topic though, for you to go, you know, what stories to write, I I think that no matter whether you've self-published, whether you've just written, you know, army lore, there is mm. value in what you do and whether you want to include that in one of our 1000 word fast fiction contests, or you want to include that in one of the short fiction anthologies, you know, mm. the, the act of creation is also an act of, of sheer will, you know, for people to feel that they made something is very accomplishing, you know, to say, Oh, wow. Look at this model. I just spent, you know, eight hours on it and it's done. The same mm. can be said for any other form of art. I've had mm. a lot of husbands actually reach out to me and been like, you know, this is kind of silly. I know I'm doing a voice, but my wife said I should audition anyway. I'm like, please, there's no judgment here. We're, you know, we're all painting, you know, miniatures yeah. Yeah. At, a, at a set scale. I mean, it, it's interesting how some people think that just because something is fan made, it can be, you know, weird or less than, but we mm. all love this hobby. So just relish in it, enjoy it. Yeah. And oh, yeah. we try to put out the best product possible, which we, mm. we really do hope that the community sees with whether it's our trailers or the audio drama production or just the reading experience on coldopenstories.com. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a fair point. And, I, and actually I would, I would argue that for some times the fan stuff can be better than the, you know, the, the real stuff in air quotes, because I think that the one good thing that fan fiction and well, fan, let's say fan creation, because obviously that mm. could encompass many things is that I think it has the advantage that it's not held back by yeah. something, you know, ultimately if one of us writes a little story, you know, and submits it um, to you, you know, we haven't had to go to black library editors and such like to, you know, get authorization. Can I say that, you know, can I write mm. this? Can I mm. do this mm-hmm. little bit of law? It's like, no, I, I can do it. Like, because I've got no one to answer to as such. So you sort of, you've got a bit more freedom really. Um, well, I, I will add to that though. You know, we, we do have editorial supporting the people who are uh, submitting their, their stories. It's not like we just throw, would throw something out to the winds, but I think what you're speaking yeah. about too is the ability to take risks or the ability to do yes, something. That's what I mean. Because yeah. obviously, yeah. and uh, there's, there's one of our stories, you know, there's, there's some stuff that goes a little grim dark and, you know, I could imagine editorial being like, do we want to do this in this book? You know, do we want to move it to something else? Is this the appropriate time? And we do the same, but I, because we don't have stakeholders, because we don't have a, mm. you know, a market share that we are concerned about, and we're doing this all for free and, you know, full disclosure, we actually have completely shunned having a Patreon. What we do is we instead uh, include charities on our site that people can donate to. You know, mm. this, this is a force for, you know, creative arts as well as, you know, supporting people in our community who are either at risk or we want to do something good. And we see that all over the 40 K community. You know, there's the Nova open, the the charitable societies, you know, people who Mm. use their 40 K groups to do a a food drive. You know, there's, there's a lot of great stuff that is done in the community. So we're just hoping to, to fill this one other niche of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I was looking at the, the, the charity page on your website and I mean, I I mean, you can't say any better than that really because I know, I know how you feel when you, when you're doing, you're creating something. I mean, it's been. I know we're not comparable to what you, what you do, but I suppose we. It's you know, trying to ask for money and things like that is is difficult, isn't it? When you're trying, when you're doing a labor of love, 
love project you know that's ultimately for people to enjoy you know once it's out into in the community so it's difficult so whereas this is you know by giving it charity that's a fantastic way of doing it i've seen other you know i've seen some youtubers do something similar i think um what's his name doom and darkness on youtube uh one of the aos guys he you know all proceedings from his channel goes to charity and that's you know that's absolutely fantastic it's such a commendable thing to be doing um but yeah sort of going back to what you're saying about the risk that's yeah that's the point i was sort of making is that you can just give it a go because like i said the way you know i way perceive the way that um black library works is obviously they have to be a bit careful with the books because mm. obviously the content obviously they don't want to you know break law you know as in loi um yeah. <laughs> and maybe the other type of law as well but you know they got to be careful to a degree because obviously they've got mm. their their universe that they want to protect and obviously they want it to go a certain path whereas obviously you know with yourselves is you can be be more open um as your title suggests so no that's fantastic um cameron is there anything you wanted to ask in particular um yeah i, I f- so have you considered doing sort of more subgenre specific uh, entries for stories and stuff? Because I'm just saying, I want everyone to have the chance to write their Warhammer 40k love story. And I feel that would be a really great theme for one set of anthologies sometime. I'm just saying, I would love that. <laughs> we, we have our... Um, so the anthologies are quite broad. Uh, they are, mm. you know, science fantasy, horror, and military. Um, mm. provided that, you know, you can still tell those stories within those themes, but the fast fiction, uh, which is 1000 words, one mm. month, one winner, uh, with yep. those, I would not be hesitant to say that, you know, we may already be receiving some romance stories. Ooh. Um, these are not <laughs> love can bloom on the battlefield. This is no. <laughs> tragic 40 K, you know, my lover is dead and everything sucks. Mm. Mm. Um, but there's also different forms of love. There's familial love. There's brotherly love. Like, dear Lord, mm, you know, the Black mm. Templar, th- that is a love letter <laughs> to brotherly love. Um, yeah. But but I think I actually think that love and the valuing of another person is already very well integrated into 40K for its setting. For example, mm. the love of humankind. This idea that we are beyond our our boundaries of race and gender and that we're all in this together. Now the the dark horror side of that is that, you know, we're all just, you know, primordial goo for the chaos gods, or we are, you know, (laughs) all just labor to be used by the Imperium. But I think that that sort of, it's, it's all about relationships between characters. You know, that's, Mm. that's what reinforces the, the value of the story. So yeah, if if you've got a a Warhammer 40,000 love story, submit it i mean excellent i'm i'm not gonna say no um <laughs> at all in fact i will relish in it and uh you know next year for valentine's day we should do something special oh yeah that'd be good <laughs> that'd be, yeah that'd be valentine's amazing. special <laughs> it's much better than like arbor day you know so oh, yeah um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> yeah cool mm. excellent right okay um well actually looking at the time i think that's when we need to wrap it up now. Um, but before we do, Colin, what, you know, I know you've obviously mentioned it a few times already, but where can, you know, people find what you do and any shout outs you want to give? 
For sure. Well, if anyone's interested in our short fiction or audio dramas, whether to consume them or to, uh, you know, engage in the production process, you can find all of that on www.coldopenstories.com. Uh, we currently do have um, a casting call out for Agtril, the uh, counterfeit blade, which is our Eldar Necron story. Uh, we've also got fast fiction for uh, this April open. The theme is Reclaim. You've got a thousand mm. words to engage in that. And uh, June is when the short fiction anthology submission window will close so if you've got a story 2000 uh, plus words uh, there's a cap on that of course uh, you can hop on over to coldopenstories.com and uh, take a look awesome very cool indeed excellent well i'll put all the links in the description of this episode as well just so you got it there um yeah i mean thank you very much colin it has been wonderful to speak to you and thank you hear about your project mm, and hopefully absolutely people listening to us will start listening to your stuff or vice mm. versa and yeah thank you very much for joining us thank you so much guys appreciate it 